Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, November 15th, and you're listening to episode number 624. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. At the price of my gallbladder, I got all my Mickey D's Marvel toys lined up. I'm good. Hey, Mickey D's, for dinner, it was (laughs) fine. Joey Bertino is in the house. Dude, don't get me started. Canadian McDonald's ruled, okay? On our road trip, we ate so much Canadian McDonald's, and it was spectacular. What? Okay. Uh, hold on. We're going to go back to that. Aaron Amos is also in the house. Sipping his drink. Are you say Hello. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jesus. He tried to sip and say, ah, but it didn't pick up. What's the difference? What's the difference between American Dude, and Canadian McDonald's? I got to tell you. One's well, in America, one's in Canada. American McDonald's is American McDonald's and all of the kind of jokes and quips about McDonald's is McDonald's, right? We went to Canada over the summer and we had, first of all, they had the snack wraps and they had these chicken, they had these like chicken, for lack of a better term, like (laughs) burritos kind of, kind of deals. Oh yeah. And they were the most stupendous thing I think I've ever eaten from a fast food McDonald's place ever. Burritos at McDonald's? Come on. It was that, burritos not the right word. It was a, basically a chicken wrap, right? But like bigger okay. than the, like the chicken snack wraps that were like 99 cents. These gotcha. were like real meals with like lettuce and cucumbers and like like wow. it was it was spectacular. And I was like, you yeah, know, the, what? Like, like, McDonald's. the roads are nicer. The the, That's the, true. the McDonald's better. <laughs> the exchange rate favors us. You know, I was just like, let's come back to Canada all the time. <laughs> was it one of those weird McDonald's that had a big Chipotle sign out front? Maybe that. Aaron, you know what? Confused. I'm just curious. Listen, listen. <laughs> curious. Our roads are cleaner. That's for damn sure. I'm continuously impressed. Not all of it, but a good portion of it, especially our area here. But is, there's no uh, one driving there. There's no one there. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, dude. <laughs> Aaron, you, uh, Aaron, our, you are our just city is in blowing it. up. <laughs> You can't look in any direction and not see a new thing of apartment buildings. We're living in one right now. We're the first tenants in here in these townhouses. Anyway, what anyway, are we doing here? Comic books. <laughs> we have a fantastic, marvelous, some would say, show for you. This don't you don't you boo me? Nope. Well, I didn't boo downvote me. I said ooh. I didn't. Boo. You did, but Joey, I could see him. <laughs> You're on camera. Anyway, uh. We have a very special guest coming later in the show. David Pepos is going to be in the house to talk about his new Punisher book for Marvel. Uh, We have already recorded Mm. the interview. It's fantastic. Highly recommend that you give it a listen. Um, I think that'll be later on in the show. 
Or let's like, away uh, the production secrets, man. It's like let let, let them let it happen. I still haven't decided if it's going to be its own thing or if it's going to be part of the show. It depends on how long this uh, mess is. I'll look behind <laughs> the curtain. Anyway, God bless this mess. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So David Pepos later in the show talking about Punisher beyond lightning rounds, which you know we always have. We also have reviews for the Marvels. And really? for the season out? finale, season two finale of Loki on Disney Plus. Mm. So if you are afraid of spoilers, we will I'm, we will give you fair not warning. Not the episode for you. <laughs> yeah, we will give you fair warning, but <laughs> yeah, yes. we will definitely be talking spoilers for both of those things at some point in time. We will give you a heads up in case you want to fast forward or tune out, whatever have you. Uh, I think I'm going to skip the banter and just go straight into oh. lightning rounds. Oh, okay, I'll banter later. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, Joey, why don't you start us off? <laughs> Swallow whatever you're eating. Jesus. And go. I'm eating pretzels, <laughs> which are the loudest, worst thing for I just ate a super pretzel. 45 seconds in the microwave, man. Super pretzel. All right, Ooh. let's get this started. I have a very brief one here because I spent a lot of the weekend um, going to the Marvels multiple times, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Um, so first I read Zawa and the Belly of the Beast number one from Woo! Michael Dialinus. Anyway, Dialinus of, of Wind Fame. Um, here's what first let me say this. I've admired Dialinus's work from afar for a long time. I just haven't like had the time to really sit down and read through some of the work, some of the stuff that he's been on. So I was really excited to read Zawa. So Here's what I got from the first issue. Bandit and Thatch are two siblings who work at their family's bakery in the middle of this island run by a dystopian mayor who controls all the food on the island. And they and the food is in the, like this pollution spewing factory that churn out burgers, literally like boxes Bur- that say B-U-R-G-U-R-S, <laughs> yeah, and energy drinks. So during a state-sanctioned party down at the docks, B&T break into the factory to try to steal the fresh ingredients the mayor keeps for the people. Um, then some guards find them. Bandit flees down a sewer chute and ends up face to face with the Gobbly Geist, aka Zawa, the guardian spirit who seems to really like cookies. Um, <laughs> look, it, it's a really great all. first issue. The real draw here is Dionysus' artwork. Um, that's what he's done. That's what they've done on other work, and and to to see them writing, coloring, thinking, and 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 doing the art for this is is really stunning. Um, Boombox pitches this as a charmingly ma- charmingly macabre echo fable about nature, greed, and the dangers of retribution, yeah. and good food shared among friends. Um, Dionysus' wonderful cartooning and vibrant colors are perfectly attuned to what I've always associated Boombox with since those teen dog days. Incredible art yeah. paired with sincere, bold storytelling. So really great uh, number one here. Um, I also read a ton of things that we'll talk about in the other lightning rounds, but I also read Enfield Gang Massacre number four, um, Chris Conn and Jake Phillips. This is six issues now. Did not know that. I thought it was only four or five, and we're at six, so we're, we're like right in the middle here. Um, here's what I'll say about this book. I freaking love that Texas blood. I freaking love what Chris Conn and Jake Phillips do. Enfield Gang Massacre rules. I will say... I don't know who any of these people are. Every issue happens, and I'm like, who's that guy with the beard? Who's that guy with the beard? Who's that guy with the cowboy hat? I don't know. So I'm excited to go back and read one through six in one sitting and really get a sense of all the characters uh, because we're away from that kind of um, Texas blood ensemble that we're so familiar with. 
but it's really great. Like the two of them are doing such amazing work with their little, with their little corner. Um, and the, the atmosphere of these Texas blood books and Enfield gang massacre books is just, it's just so uh, my speed. And I just really, really adore it. Um, the big thing, do you want me to talk about it now? And then, and then do you want me to talk about Loki now? Or do you want me to save it for later? What do yeah, you let's, do? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Okay. So Loki season two, um, head writers, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, sorry, head writer, Eric Moore, Martin directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Um, Loki season two wrapped this past week. We didn't get a chance to talk a lot about episode five last week. Um, but here's what I'll say about Loki. And I don't, I don't want to spell too much just yet. Uh, Bob, you and I talked about episodes one through four really, mm-hmm. and how it, it was really such a significant kind of tonal departure from what Kate Heron was doing for season one. And it felt, it felt a little um, dragged out. There were long stretches of fun, albeit, but, but seemingly kind Chasing of unnecessary around or just kind of, yeah. yes, which was, hey, look, it's always fun to see Tom Hiddleston. A and snake Wilson eating its own out. tail like an Ouroboros. Yes. 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 So it, it, it took a while to get to anything that, that really grabbed me. And then episode five happened and this was two weeks ago. So I'll spoil that one a little bit, but in episode five, Loki, um, you basically see all of his friends in these, in their lives, in their lives. Once the, the the multiverse kind of crashes you kind of see them pushed back into their lives and loki kind of has to come to terms with what does he really want and the ending of five and and how he kind of jumps through time in five to to see all of his friends in what are really happier times um really set the stage for i thought a really um i was really eager to see what they were going to do in six and and here's what i'll say I loved it. I really loved six. I really loved where Loki lands in this episode. I love the kind of time travel shenanigans that happen in this episode. Five and six. It, look, if Loki season two was just episodes one, five, and six, it would have been the craziest coda to season one. Or maybe if season one had just been nine uh, episodes you and know, you just wrapped I... that whole thing. Because here's what I, here's what I'll say before getting into any kind of spoilery things. Two things. One, episode one of season one is called Glorious Purpose. Episode six of season two is called Glorious Purpose. And the idea of a snake eating its tail and how we circle back onto itself, I think, is as the core question of this two season yes. kind of arc for this character. I think that where it leaves Loki and where it leaves Tom Hiddleston and where it leaves kind of the state of the universe is such a fascinating turn for the character that we met 14 years ago in but Thor that arc one. is it's nuts. incredible yeah. it's incredible yeah. to, to a for the character but b for tom hiddleston to see him grow and and what i love about it this might be spoilery so so maybe i, I i'll talk more about it but what i love about it is we know what happens to loki in infinity war and that version of loki is gone but what this what the show has explored over 12 episodes and for this character is this idea of second chances in a really meaningful way 
And it's it's commentary on that in episodes five and six, I thought were so potent for this character. And he says at the very end, no, I'm not gonna do it because it's a spoiler. I'm not gonna no, say no, it. Don't, yeah, but don't. but 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 where he lands is just is just really stunning. Um and then the second part is kind of attached to that. The, the second point is that like Tom Hiddleston is just so good. And and his performance of this character and the transformation from the villain who brings the Avengers together to the hero of this series, right? Of this, the main character and the kind of protagonist of this series is just transcendent. Like no other character, no other actor, no other character is going to be able to do what he's done over 14 years, right? Like maybe Chris Hemsworth as Thor since he's still around, but like, and he's had ample screen time too, but like, Really, like Robert Downey Jr. ain't doing anything because he's out. <laughs> Chris no, Evans is doing I, it because I don't think out. anyone's gone from A to Z in the sense of this. Exactly. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's just uh, in that sense, I just I I think it's I think it was just such a great finale. Was the whole season great? I don't know. We I think we made our qualms with the first few episodes very clear. But I thought, but in terms of sticking the landing after a rough stretch there in the middle, I, I think it it definitely does, um, and that's where I'll leave that. Well, uh, as the as the person who was not happy with the first four, not completely happy with five either, and we come into episode six here, and the first ten minutes are let's do this same thing over again fourteen times, and I was kind of getting aggravated. And that that said, I had already loved every performance with all these people in it. And once we get past that here, and what Hiddleston's doing, I'm going to not spoil what he has to do to get to where they have to go. The arc, even within the episode, is stunning. Let alone, as you talk about, 12 episodes worth. And where we end up, is both perfect and tragic. It opens up possibilities for a lot of other stuff. And I'm, I don't know if it completely restores my faith in, or, 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 or my love for what the first four that I was struggling with, because there's still some of that around and around. No, the emotional beats in episode six are so strong Moments of two characters and it's six different characters talking to each other one-on-one. It is heartbreaking and glorious and everything you'd want a television drama to be. I loved episode six and yeah. I didn't like episodes one to four. Yeah. So I would say I'm I would say the last converted. 20 minutes of episode six are just like the perfect coda to the yes. character, you know, yes. in, in such an incredible way. Um, I don't. Maybe we don't have to spoil it. Maybe we don't have to spoil anything. Maybe we just say it was. It was great. I don't know, Steve. What do you? It was think? just great. I mean, Steve, yeah, I got some spoilery here. notes here. You got some. Okay, you got go. some things you All right, go for it. Well, I mean, Aaron, did you partake? No, he's he's out until we're finished with Loki. <laughs> All right, he's he's still catching up. All right, I don't have. Oh, I didn't even see that he's not here. He ditched us. Yes, he was like, no, "Text me when done with Loki." No, I, I was making. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I was making yeah. art for the. Uh, I had my Photoshop on <laughs> for chat, and I didn't see that he yeah. was gone. Um, oh God. Okay. Uh, you know what? Since Aaron's not going to go, and I'm the last to go, we'll call spoilers here. Great, because I do. I do want to talk about where this ends up because I think okay. it's important to the conversation. 
Okay. I had a very different reaction to the first, really all the episodes of Loki, I would think. I mean, with the exception of five and six that you guys just talked about. Um, I was kind of turned off by the first episode, didn't know what to think about the direction, didn't know what to think about the tone, and kind of left that first episode feeling like, well, where do we go from here? And how they managed to turn this around and make this one of the headiest, most mature Marvel projects that we've had in the entire run of Mm -hmm. Marvel, in my personal opinion, this was some really, really like shoot for the stars kind of stuff. They didn't downplay anything. This was complex. Like all the timey-wimey stuff, all the back and forth, the emotion behind the mission and Loki's tenacity and his his like undying urge to fix everything. He had to fix this. And he kept saying that it was for everyone else, but it was so much for him as well. And I love that moment when he's kind of breaking things down and Sophie is grilling him for why he's doing the things that he's doing. Like, why have you made such a turn? Do you remember who you are? And he says, I don't want to be without my friends. Yeah, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. And so the one character in the Marvel Universe whose goal beyond the throne, and that was all, it's all in the past, so to speak, that his goal is to never be alone, ends up being alone at the end. Oh, killer, killer. Like, But but he says, and this is what I wanted to say during the thing, he says, I did it for you, for all of us, which is what he says at the end of Thor to Odin as he's hanging off of the rods, you know? That's right. That transformation, Steve, to your point, is like from such a selfish character who is so kind of just like so preoccupied with his own pride and power to becoming the great, like the hero of the the universe (laughs) of all time. And and, and the sacrifice at the end, right? Then he's presented with a way to act selfishly and still save the universe, but it's not about saving the universe. It's it's about his friends. It's about, it's about all of us. He says, I did it for you, for all of us. Like, Oh, Oh, like he, he essentially becomes the, he essentially becomes the new Kronos. He becomes kind of the three fates all rolled up into one. Yeah. And he becomes the gardener of a new tree of life. Oh, when he becomes Yggdrasil, I lost my shit. Yes, oh I my god! Crying, right, right, right. Balling. That, I was like, oh, yes. the finale for that final episode was nothing short of incredible. It looked as good as any other triple A Marvel mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. especially, especially during the finale. I was blown away. Yeah, I thought the scene of him pulling the timelines together and taking the throne and like planting the roots of the tree and all growing up and out and him being the thing that holds it all together. He is now responsible for all time. Like I, when have you ever seen a character meta, like metamorphosize, metamorphosize into, I don't even know if that's the word, but uh, uh, change. 
King Lear. I mean, we're talking Shakespeare. <laughs> we're talking, right? I mean, well, we're this is the scope of it, right? And this is yeah. what Hiddleston does so well. I said I was joking about it a couple of weeks ago when I said that like every scene in season two. Tom Hiddleston looks like he's about to cry, you know, like, <laughs> and he's just like welling. Like you see it the yeah. whole season, like the, the, the weight the, of the universe is on. Yes. Yeah. The weight of it. And the, the timey wimey stuff just like elevates it into this sci-fi fantasy realm. But fundamentally at its core, you have this person who for the longest time for 14 years of this franchise has been insecure and inadequate is thrust into becoming the, like, the multiverse is only hope, you know? And, wow. and it's just like, and, and again, I go back to in infinity war, he has his big hero moment at the beginning, but he dies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's one way, but it showed us that, at, that Loki was always destined for that big hero moment. Right. Yeah. Well, it was cut short world to certain Of course, places, of course, but, but we're it was building always toward yeah. here. It happens, yep. you know, and, yes. and the idea of a second chance, and a second chance to be the hero, second chance to to be to do the right thing, as it were, you know. And that's what the season six is, episode six is like all about. It's like he has multiple opportunities to perfect it. When he says like, "How long will it take me to know all of the physics?" and Ob is like centuries, right? And then he goes and he okay. and then it just the title card says centuries, <laughs> centuries later. <laughs> I was like, this is another level. Like that's that's yeah. when the episode turned for me because I was like, oh. Like they get it. It's not just a gag. It is. So, it's like this is sacrifice. This is time that he's like literally taking the time to save everyone. You know, and it and was just no like, one believes and no one believes him. What he comes, no, how do you no do one believes this? him? He just, doesn't even be believe quiet. in himself. He doesn't no, even believe true. in himself. And I just it's it, it's so good. It's so so good. And I think it's all because Hiddleston wanted to do it. You know, like this, that line, when he says for, for, I did it for you, for all of us, that was improvised according to oh, the really? show. He improvised. He said, wow. I want to try this. I said at the end of the first movie, I want to do it here. And that's it. That's it. I think, I think he's the beyonder. Ooh, mm. that's what oh, I think. Oh, that could, that could work. That's what I think. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to be the beyonder who like steps in and, and like, you know, help save the day during so what, king so dynasty what, so, or whatever right which may have changed titles now apparently i've, I've heard yeah, rumors yeah. i like the god of stories thing of course and that is kind of yeah. what it's drawing on but in terms of like a character that makes sense in the in the in the universe and, i think he's going to fill that beyonder role and across the board we are looking at this last episode of an hours worth of very deep emotions and wonderful performances by all these people who are so great Every little moment mattered. Everything yeah. had weight. And it's, oh, no, 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 you can't do that to them. No, no, why are we, oh, please, uh, cried through all of it. It was just all, it was just awful and great at the same time. <laughs> Loved it. And I was, I was a skeptic. We were, we were skeptics. We yeah, got to say, dude. Joey, four episodes in, we were like, oh, this, this sucks. This is terrible. Yeah. I wasn't into it. I was, it was such a yeah. departure from the kind of weird quirkiness of yeah, the, the whimsy uh, of one. four episodes. Yeah. And look, do I think it was necessary to do that stuff? Not necessarily, but at the very least, it brought Loki to a rock bottom in five that made the catharsis of six work. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, uh, right. I don't know if I, 
I don't know if I need to go back and watch episodes one through four of season I'll two. I'll just go five and six. I'll yeah, just go yeah, five yeah, and yeah. six. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But some of the, I will say some of the aesthetic finally landed in five, like the spaghettification. Um, um, Which might not visuals. have happened if we didn't see the first four. Yeah. Yeah. I really so like, like the overall look of it. Like it grew I on me with each episode. The, the um, record store scene, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, the second I saw it, I was like, Steve has to watch this record store scene. <laughs> when the record flies it. off the table and spaghettifies. You're going to play some Lou Reed records in, in a store where people can listen with headphones. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. And But in that moment, too, that's that is the scene that really I was like, this is going to end well. Not it didn't end well, but I mean, like, end well, yeah, like for somebody. Because, yeah. because in that scene the record keeper, the record store owner jumps over the counter and runs to Sylvie and yells her name to try and save her yeah. as they're all spaghettifying away. Yeah. I was reminded in that moment that like, Oh, th- like this is like, this is what these stories are about. You know, it's like people yeah, helping people. people and that's yeah. what Loki has to learn, you know? And, and Loki learns that over the course of these 12 episodes, over the course of his 14 years in the, in the MCU, right? Like, that he does need people and and the whole thing of like i don't want to be alone becomes i don't want anyone to be alone yeah. and that's why he pulls all the threads together because wow. he can't see yeah. any of these time and now he can see all of his friends live their lives you know yeah um in these multi multiverses so it's just it's a beautiful ending a poignant one and if it's the last yeah. thing tom hiddleston does as loki f- great you know it's I a hope, beautiful I hope ending not. for the character of I course really i hope not, not. But you know he's like forty three now. <laughs> you know, like my he's, God, he's... yeah. But yeah, right, we, we we you mentioned I think in one of our chats you we've seen him age. You can really see the difference between oh yeah, the Loki of Thor and where we are now. But that is also what saves saves is the right word. What yeah. also imparts so much depth to this because that face is different now. He's older. It has lived. It has lived all this loss. It's yeah. worn. Yeah. 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 He wears it well. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he yes, he, he, does. he uses that that bit of age to his advantage for sure to sell the journey. So yeah. he's just he's a powerhouse in this, particularly in the last two episodes. Like I don't want to dismiss one through four. I had a really good time. Like I said, like two through six. Uh, the second episode, I was really kind of expecting the worst. And we got through it, and I was like, "Is that Chicago?" Yeah, like that was the one that really kind of like energized me for the rest of it. I was like, "I don't know what everybody was talking about. This was fun. Like this was cool," and it just kept getting better for me. And then by the time that we got to, we watched two, and then three another day, and then four, five, six back to back, and Mm. that ride from four through six was like transcended it was it was that moment in wandavision when um wanda is like she's making vision am i getting that right like her she's like separating her love out for him and kind of making you remember what i'm talking about yeah 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 Yeah. okay sucks out of her yeah right it was like that moment but two hours long or at least 51 minutes of of that final episode um I I really didn't know what to expect. I'll say this and we can we can move on to our next topic. Um between Loki and the Marvels in one weekend 
Marvel managed to show me two things that tell me that they've still got it and that yeah. they've still got yeah, the ability yeah, yeah. to surprise me and to make me feel like, oh, they're not done yet. Like they're not they're not done making amazing things with these characters. Like there might have been a couple of duds that I, I didn't really care for, Quantum Mania or what have you, but like between the Marvels and season two of Loki, even just that final episode, they've they've got some magic still. And I'm yeah. I'm really a lot more optimistic now about what we get Perfect going word. forward. And I'm gonna try to remember not to be like I've been bummed out for a while and that's not doing anyone any good. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change my attitude. And these two things right. really showed me that I need to do that. I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. Yeah. And I also want to jump in on Zawa because my God is that that's a that was amazing. Yeah. I love the art style. It's like kids drawing on the sidewalk in multicolored fluorescent chalk. Yeah. I love the art style. I love the whole idea. It is it's very classic science fiction, obviously. We got some soylent green situation going, I'm thinking, somewhere down the road. <laughs> right? I mean, what what are they feeding these people is what I'm thinking. Burgers. Burgers. <laughs> Burgers, yeah. That might be a soylent green is people. Sorry, spoiler <laughs> alert for a book from 70 years ago. Um love the look of it. It is it is one of those wonderful combinations of it's horrific and childish at the same time, right? It's kind of cartoony, but there's some bad stuff going on. When we get to we get to that slime and it's now the the, the gobbly geist or whatever we're talking here. Yeah, that was great. That was great stuff. I love that. I absolutely love that first issue. I um I met Michael at FlameCon uh, oh. that weekend, and he was showing me the uh like the pages on his on their phone mm -hmm. and going through like a couple of them. I got a little bit of a preview and was absolutely blown away by some of the art that I was seeing and seeing it in its final form in this issue was such a treat i love this like we have a, a question coming up later about comic book worlds and yeah. uh this was a world that i immediately was like oh this place is alive this is this is nuts there's a bunch of stuff going on <laughs> here uh and it did not disappoint even just to something to thumb through and look at but then to have the story be as intriguing as it is and have that match the tone of the art um, and introduce a, a couple of these like bizarre characters. I'm I'm digging it. I think it's a really strong start, and I I can't wait to see where it goes. Very excited. All right, go boom. We love yeah. boom around here. Coming in with some uh, some good stuff toward the end of the year, going into the next. I like it. Mm. All right, let's move on to the next lightning round. Aaron, <laughs> why don't you go? <laughs> Aaron. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a little slow with the mute button. I've muted myself because I didn't want to hear. Well, I muted you all because I didn't want to hear spoilers for Loki. So, you know, there's good, that. Good job. Good job. So, all right. So I was going to talk about two books, but I'm actually going to talk about one because I think I might want to 
save the one book for when John gets back because I think he read it. So, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. All right. So the one book that I did want to talk about, I read a few things, but I, eh, it wasn't really a, a blow them away sort of week for me in terms of what I was able to get to. Nothing sort of as usual, nothing sort of jumped as it usually does. There was nothing that rose to the top that was something I said, okay, I absolutely have to talk about, you know, but there was in this one book I'm going to talk about some aspects of it that made me sort of rethink and sort of realize where I am in the journey of this character or my journey with this character. And that is Action Comics 1058, Philip Kennedy Johnson. You can probably count on one hand how many times you've heard me talk about a Superman-focused book on this show, uh, probably since the the Tomasi Gleason years. Uh, probably jumped in when I say Superman, I mean Clark Kent-focused book. Um, and, you know, I, I, for my own reasons, the character is sort of one that I think is difficult to get right and difficult to sort of uh, lean into and difficult to sort of uh, build a, a connection to, because I think, for me anyway, because I think it has represented so many different, he has represented so many different things to different people over the years and has been sort of shaped a certain way and almost, it's almost like he's, they've, at times, writers have buffed out all the things about a Superman that could make him interesting, which is why I think the uh, John Kent Superman was so interesting because he hadn't been sort of all the character hadn't been eroded out of him. So having said that, Action Comics 1058, I'll read a little bit of the uh, description of the story, then I'll go into why I think this book sort of speaks to me. Superman versus Clark Kent, when the mysterious young Nora Stone drains Superman's strength and unleashes an imposter time. Superman, a metropolis in his place, a powerless Clark Kent is forced to face the monster alone. Who is Nora Stone and can Clark protect his identity while fighting this impossible battle? There's also a book by uh, Jin, uh, story by Jin Yuan, uh, Wen Yang in the back uh, as well, uh, focusing on the Superman of China. So why does this, did this book speak to me this week? Well, like I said, sometimes it's very hard to sort of get behind a Superman book because it really is more, the character is really represented as more of an ideal than an actual character. Um, and that's a struggle for me sometimes because I don't always agree with the ideal. Um, but in this ish, in this story, and I've, I think I've felt this way about all of uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, sort of depictions of Superman and the super family, is Clark has a brain that he uses <laughs> in a way that... People forget that, right? Yes, he has a brain that he uses in a way that almost makes the fact that he could most of the time punch his way out of any situation sort of superfluous to the who the, the character is. Um, and I say that because you were faced, which is almost impossible to do, you were faced with a character who, you were, he was faced with a scenario similar to War World where he wasn't able to rely on his power, he wasn't able to rely on the strength but he was able to rely on his knowledge and experience oh. with that power and strength to best his enemy here. Like I said in the description, somehow this Nora Stone and her little Illuminati type or organization in the background has figured out how to drain Superman's power, um, as we learned with the intent of giving it to people that follow their path. Um on the surface, it's being sold as, 
why have we spent so much time depending on an alien to protect our rights? Why don't we 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 can you why do we think that an alien is the only person whose powers can be, you know, fueled by the sun? We're we're cooking mm-hmm. something up in the background where he may be, you know, his existence may be overcome by events. We may be able to do this, you know, for normal humans. Well, the truth is they're just siphoning his power away and then giving them to other yeah, people. And this is kind of what we we come up against. Well, it was Clark's knowledge of which powers are more difficult to control, which powers do what, which powers might burn them out versus which powers will, you know, sustain what it looks like, how it will impact them. And it was those things that he knew was going to were going to come that allowed him to get the upper hand, even though he was somewhat depowered. Um, and I thought that was really that that inner monologue I thought was really, really interesting. I also think um this book does a good a good job of balancing the adventure of being Superman with the adventure of having a family and what that looks like. Uh, because so often in these story tale these hero tales we we believe as we have with Peter Parker and all those others that you have to keep your family, you have to keep your identity secret, and you have to separate, keep the people yeah. that loved you separate because of the, you know, well, when you're surrounded by a family who 90% of them are as powerful as you are, uh, you probably yeah, don't have to true. worry as much. And so it gives this, this possibility of him being able to relax and sort of just enjoy life as Superman and life as a family man without worrying that everyone around him may potentially break. Um, and I just really like the way that story is playing out. It gives opportunities for right after this big battle with this big bad. And the, in the and even though he won that battle, the, the underlying war is still raging. He doesn't exactly know it yet. He was able to back up and go back to the family and then have to be Clark, the dad, to these two new kids, um, husband to his wife and sort of like surrogate uncle to like all these other people. I don't know. That kind of spoke to me. Actually, believe it or not, that all spoke to me somewhat more than the actual adventure, although the adventure part was good. But that's being a a greater hero, right? In essence. So it's the well-roundedness of this character. And I think it, there's probably a through line between this and the stories that we all loved about John Kent that I'm sort of leaning into. Um, but I think as long as we can keep telling stories that tell a more, I don't want to say grounded, but a more diverse, you know, characterization of Clark and Superman's personality, characters, abilities, you know, intelligence and all that stuff, I'll be interested. But when you go back to Superman punching his way through through every situation, then I'm probably going to tap out. Um, but I enjoy, I've been enjoying this run, so that's my lightning round. Shout out to Dan. <laughs> Keeping it tight. <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm missing out on the Superman front. I haven't read anything Superman since uh, Superman smashes the clan. Dude, you're missing Whoa. out. PKJ has been doing great. Well, work. what do I got to do? You got to read War World, man. <laughs> you got to read John Kent. You got to read. Uh, 
You gotta read it. You gotta read Bendis. Even Bendis' stuff was good. <laughs> yeah. I sat right, down look. and started with You're War World. Him, and I Joel, read I literally me? read the War World art in a weekend, arc in a weekend. And it's it's I went I'm not gonna lie to you, let's say it's like six issues. It's not, it's four. Um oh. but I read that. How many is that issue? Is it is it like twelve? Is it twelve or something War like that? World? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like twelve. I think it's eighteen. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I read that in a weekend, and then I caught up on the rest that were on the app. Um, and I don't regret it, to be honest with you. I don't regret it World at all. Was horrible. But here's so, the other thing about Superman: the Bendis stuff was great, and the the BKJ stuff is great. I honestly have not been reading since the Return of Kal El stuff. Um, so yeah. I'm about a year behind on the stories. Um, you got to read Son of Kal-El. It's fantastic. Um, awesome. But the great thing about Superman, as I was talking about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, is like Cena Grace's graphic novel was amazing. Yeah. You that's could right. Just do I that. got that. I bought that. I need to read if that. If you could just do that one, that's fantastic. Um, Superman Lost has been great so far. That, that was my next question. Issues. I think there's I think there's eight issues. I think this week's issue eight, and it's almost done too. That's been an awesome story too. Now, They're finally starting to like specifically in, in action here. Where where would Steve have to go? Where would I have to go to back it up? We're at ten fifty eight now. Are you we could probably start at ten fifty one? No, you oh, can probably yeah. start at ten fifty one, ten fifty, okay. or whatever. Yeah, whenever, but you've been talking you about action for a long time now, like almost all year. Again, yeah. I think I started. You know what? I'm kind of thinking about it. I think when I decided to go back and start at War World, I think that was 1030. I think oh, it was. Okay. It was. I think it was 1030. Yeah. So it was. And then so War World yeah. starts at Bless 1030. the DC app, I guess. <laughs> yes. That's what I did. World, that's how I did it. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. War World starts at about 1030. And then at about 1048 is Superman Returns. Kalo Returns. Okay. Kello returns, runs a couple issues to like 1050, and then 1051 is like the new status quo, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then is that oh that's yeah, that's uh the arc with um Metallo, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Which was good, which was a good arc. But okay. yeah. All right. Well, you rarely lead me astray. I went back and I read all that Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man. That was a fun ride. Tony and Emma forever. I'm saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love them. Sorry, I love them together. I know how you feel. It's real I good. I know. I know this is an affront to all of Joey's sensibilities, but Tony and Emma, Tony and Emma, they no, need each get other. Get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> they need each other. They need get to heal. Nope. It's a marriage of convenience. Scott will be back. She can make him forget he's an alcoholic. Okay. All right. Whoa. Whoa! He's got to do the work, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. Twelve steps. Twelve steps. Yeah, she can All do right, it. So one. she can I've do that two in one step. Superman <laughs> lost. What's the Cena Grace book called? Superman Harvest of Our Youth. I think something along those lines. Is it Harvest Children or something? No, it's oh, Harvest Lord. of Our. It's Harvest of Our Youth. I want to. That's say. a very different movie. Children of the All Corn. Right. <laughs> Cena Grace is Children of the Corn. Yeah, Superman exactly. of the Corn. <laughs> um, all right, and then action comics 1030-ish forward. Yeah, 1030-ish. Yeah, I will I'm not ish, have ish. that all read by next week, but I'll, I'll dabble. <laughs> I'll dabble a little bit. I got a little bit of a short well, list. I don't think I don't think I don't think all red did those, but that's that's just me. <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right, Bob. Uh I oh, think it's thanks. your turn. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'll damn. start off because we got two finales this week. So it's Marvel Unleashed number four, 
Kyle Starks, Jesus Hervas, Yen Nitro, and Joe Carmagna. Well, it's the big battle to stop a Demon Horde invasion and our Pit Avengers, plus the revived Lockjaw, no less. Well, they equate themselves as true heroes would, but not without losses of their own. I'm just saying, Jess, you shouldn't read this book. But oh, so there's God. some sadness. There's some sadness at the end, but there's a nice little bow at, at the end as well. So you know, it, it's it, it's not terrible. It's a great little book, and it'll be a lovely, lovely trade read. Uh, another finale is Captain Marvel: Dark Tempest number five by Anne Nascenti, Paolo Villanelli, Java Tatalia, and Ariana Mar, and that ends up in a fight across two worlds as not as Feral 5 make their way back to Earth, but with Carol and Jessica in hot pursuit, and they're in hopes of stopping them from destroying, well, the world's tech infrastructure, as it turns out. And against all odds, perhaps, Captain Marvel's lecture to the pre-transformation young people had an impact? Just saying... I uh, look. I love reading this this very charmingly old school miniseries, and I'll just let you know that. And I think again, another thing that'd be really great um, put together. Two regular books: Abbott, nineteen seventy nine, number two, Saldan Ahmed, Sammy Cavella, Dan Jackson, Jim Campbell. That opens with Elena Abbott fending off yet another possession attempt by the Umbra, the evil force that is wreaking havoc on Detroit. And while her Lightbringer powers stave it off for now, they don't seem to be working at full strength. And that's not a good thing when you're dealing with a force that's, quote, the embodiment of all that's unfeeling and uncaring, all that's greedy and selfish in the world. Now, her spiritual muse, Sebastian, has a plan. It's a dicey one. There's such depth in this book all other, from, from day one with this. And Abbott's been one of my favorite horror comics simply because it's so much more than that. It's a great character study set in a very special juncture in U.S. history, told with clever dialogue, pitch-perfect artwork. <sighs> Abbott is just brilliant. And, and maybe it's me. I don't hear enough, and I'm not talking about around here, but I don't hear enough about this book and how great it is it, it, out, out in the ether of things. My God, if you want to read a great, scary horror book with character, Abbott is the thing. So, lastly, What If Dark, The Tomb of Dracula by original series writer Marv Wolfman and David Cutler. And it starts with the premise, what if the legendary Dracula transformed Blade the Daywalker into a full-fledged vampire? Well, the Lord of the Vampires has unleashed his undead horde on London and it's just to lure his greatest threat blade into a trap where, well, he believes turning him will make him an ally. Yeah, so not happening. Quite a lot of other cool things do, so there's that. A lot, lot of fun stuff here, and we're taking another flight with Marv Wolfman's Dracula, a series that I count as the greatest villain-led comic series ever. Yeah, I said that. His writing is as on point as ever. And though David Cutler's art is fine, I, I do have to, I can't think of Wolfman's Dracula, and that sounds weird, kind of, Wolfman's Dracula, but, you know, whatever. 
I can't think of the two more Dracula without seeing the stunning art of the legendary team of Gene Colan and Tom Palmer. That said, this book coming off of, we had a Blade Mini and the Bloodline Daughter Blade series. Uh, it's a great moment for Blade right now. And this book, if, if you're a fan of the original Tomb of Dracula, you need to be picking this one up. And I'm out of here. Joey. Solid. Yeah. I uh, love Abbott. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much to add to it. I agree with you. Yeah. I wish more people were talking about it. Um, the, we, I mean, obviously, um, Sultan Ahmed's been a, 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 a mainstay on our conversations for a long time, but the, I asked this last time and I keep forgetting, is this the third volume or the fourth volume of Abbott? Third. I believe it's the third. Third, third right? Third. Like, it's just gotten better every time. Yes. It's a little bit more. It's, and I don't want that to make it seem like it's a little bit looser this time in a, in a good way. It's a little bit like she's not in a good place. Elena, right. Elena's not in good Elena's place. Elena's not in a good right. place. And you feel it in the kind of like looseness of the storytelling, looseness of the art. Like it, I, I think it's a comfort thing. I think they're so in the universe at this point, this corner of the world and the, the, the horror elements of it, the dark alleys, everything just like rings a little bit spookier in this new volume. As you watch Elena, like genuinely each page, I'm like, girl, don't go down there. Yes, I'm like, girl, like, home. take He'll a shower, get a coffee, like, <laughs> like, 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 do something. And it's it's rough, and and you feel that. And I think it's just a great, great book. I agree with you. I wish more people were reading. I wish more people were talking about it. Yeah. Well, I think the the fact that they keep making more is encouraging. It must oh, be I'm, selling to somebody. Yeah. Boom's got Boom's got faith in their books, you know, and I think Abbott is one of them, and they're artists too. I, 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 you just don't hear enough for me. And that, that's the thing we hear. There are books of the week and whatever. And Abbott never seems to make when I look at other sites, not ours, because we've talked about it constantly since day one. And it, it just never seems to catch the cultural zeitgeist. Some of the people aren't, aren't listening or are not paying attention. And that's a shame. There's a lot of great stuff here. We've got wonderful characters in a great setting. We've got this retro stuff at certain at a certain level. It's a black exploitation movie, a la Blackilla, and yet it is not that as well. It is about this woman and personal struggles. And if if we took all the horror elements out, I'd read about Elena Abbott, the newspaper reporter, too. Oh yeah. Well, Bob, I think part of it is that this is the third volume, and I think when Abbott originally came out, the first run. I think it was on a lot of people's lists, you know, as this kind of genre experiment. And I think it just goes to something that we've talked about here on the show is that like, sometimes when you have continued excellence, it's no longer the yeah. highlight. It's no longer the spotlight. There you go. It should be. Sh <laughs> it should be. It, it should, should be. be because if, if you can do this across all these issues and still, it, I am so thrilled when there's one in, on, in my fault, in my folder. Hmm. When it came back this time around, oh, more Abbott, please give me more Abbott. Ah, great stuff. 
Nice. And if, if you if you love Dark Horror, you should be reading What If Tomb of Dracula. It's only one issue. You'll love it. If you love Blade, trust me, it'll get canceled anyway, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about something real quick, and then I think we're going to take a little break here. But uh, yeah, so... I went, uh, I know Chris has been hounding me to get back into Webtoon, and I've wanted to for weeks now. I finally did it. I went back, and I read Everything is Fine Season 2. Now, if you'll recall, I talked very enthusiastically about Everything is Fine Season 1 on this show, and then in great detail on an early episode of Thirsty on Tune. This is by far... I've read a lot of amazing things on Webtoon this year and last. This is my favorite, without question. Okay, so with their respective memories shattered, Sam and Maggie find themselves in a Stepford-like neighborhood run by a shadowy organization who's stolen their children, or in their case, their child. The only way to get her back is to play the organization's twisted games with all of your neighbors as your opponents. So they're living in these communities. Think of them like, uh, was it Westview from uh, WandaVision and kind of these these sectioned off uh, housing developments where these people are living and they're all wearing these expressionless cat masks. As ridiculous as this sounds, it works to great effect throughout both of the seasons of this story so far. So after framing their neighbors and spilling blood on their carefully manicured lawn, Sam and Maggie are moving to a new development, bringing them one step closer to getting their daughter back. At least that's what the people in charge want them to think. Bum, bum, bum. So the new neighborhood has new residents. It also has new rules for survival and a broken reward system that has like smileys and frownies as a demerit system (laughs) that determines who moves up the food chain and who becomes a target in the hunt a bi-weekly game of survival so the rules of the new neighborhood are simple you do a good deed you earn yourself a smiley three smileys finds you moving on to the next neighborhood and one step closer to getting your kids back earn three frownies you become a target in The Hunt, a game that finds you running from your neighbors who are armed with guns, traps, and other methods of taking you off the board. The whole object of the game and living in these communities is to get to the end of the game where you move on to the next development and it's where they're supposedly keeping your kids. Okay, people are bugging each other's homes. People are listening to each other's conversations to try and find out what their plans are. They're forming alliances and then completely going back on them to serve their own means. Sam is haunted by the people that have died as a result of them moving on to the next neighborhood. And it's like they're following him everywhere he goes. Um, It's really creepy. I absolutely love it. Um, He's also keeping like the severity of his fragile mental state away from his wife, Maggie, who is also going through her own tortures of the mind in this scenario. You never know who you can trust in this community. Um, Like I said, the alliances are very flimsy. It's really mind-bending stuff. I love reading this series. I love reading things where I don't know which characters are telling the truth. 
uh, when all is going to be revealed, the whole bit. I love it. Uh, Everything is fine. Does that stupendously. Uh, Maggie is getting desperate in this new arc. She's trying to keep her shit together. Sam is on the verge of giving up and basically trying to make a permanent home for them in this new development. But Maggie's not having it. She wants to move on. She wants to get out. She wants to get organized. And in that divide between them, a rift forms and it makes even their alliance, which was once very strong, very fragile uh, in this season. And you kind of see the breakdown in that as you go along. Um, I love the series so much. Like I said earlier, the expressionless masks lead, like they lend so much to the mystery about who the characters are and specifically what they're feeling in those moments, like I said, nobody can be trusted, but when they're being sincere, because you're looking at them and they're wearing these cat masks that don't have any expression on them whatsoever, it's really hard to read the dialogue and, mm-hmm. and like, how do you accept these words as you're reading through this story? It's very intense. Um, there's a big surprise at the end of this season that will have fans of the original season positively screaming. I was freaking oh. out during the finale. Uh, the breakdown of Maggie and Sam's partnership is really heartbreaking, but it's also necessary if they're going to find their own way out of this thing. Um, I'm still very confused as to how like widespread this whole situation is uh, with the neighbors and the housing developments, who's in charge, what's really happening with the kids. But that part of the mist, not having those answers isn't bothering me in any way because I'm I'm having so much fun elsewhere in the story that i this series has a good way of answering your questions in time and this creator has given me enough evidence that they you know they see things through they tie up the loose ends um we've already gotten a lot of answers to a lot of questions that i had from the previous season so i trust that it's gonna it's gonna deliver uh eventually um like i said this end of the second season throws a major curveball to the audience it's making me question one character in particular and how long they've been. And I'm using bunny ears here, not right. Uh, since the very first chapter of this series, there have been clues all along that perhaps I overlooked because this world is weird. And I was just like, oh, that's probably just a thing. It's not a thing or it is a thing. And it's a very important thing. And when you read that part, you'll be like, what? Uh, very rewarding. Uh, wrapping up here, I can't recommend this enough. Uh, if you like your comics weird and intense and mysterious and very Twilight Zone-ish, this is the webtoon that will get you on this app. So go and read it. It's called Everything is Fine. All of the episodes for seasons one and two are available to read for free on webtoon, and they've already started uh, season three. So go go read it. I can't reckon, recommend it enough. Uh, and that's me. When you're talking about those masks, the, the, the inscrutability of something like that, whether it's the Court of Owls or Michael Myers, for that matter, the expressionless face that you can then read your own stuff into. Exactly, yeah. That brings you so much depth from your end into the characters. That's got That's incredible. One of my Sounds favorite awesome. things is that it this comic... Uh, more so than a lot of others that I've found on Webtoon. The whole thing about scrolling with Webtoon is that if you're good, you can really pace out 
the art to deliver tension in your stories. Other things too, but in the case of Everything is Fine, when you're scrolling and they do those close-up shots of these characters, and like I said, you're looking at the same face all the time, but you are interpreting what's going on behind the mask. And there's a lot more of like, look at me, look at my eyes when I'm telling you this, like this is actual dialogue from, from the thing. Like, can't you see it in my face and I'm not lying to you. And it's still this expressionless cat mask thing. (laughs) And so you just have to trust that they're being sincere, but everything that you've read in the story is telling you, maybe, maybe you can't trust them because everyone in this story has deceived someone at some point and the people you're supposed to trust the most have done some of the most heinous things throughout these seasons. So it's, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. And I hope that people go and check it out because it, it is just really incredible comic book making it, it, does things with webtoon that I don't encounter in other series on that app. Um, and it's just, it's got my name written all over it. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right. That is everything is fine. Season two. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will have David Pepos in the house to talk about the Punisher. So stay tuned. have a moon knight conan crossover oh sorry no we can't <laughs> <laughs> too soon uh no i um uh, uh I, I have a friend of mine the last marvel book he was buying was your avengers with conan and all the crew in it and it was uh, what happened i went well legal <laughs> legal that's yeah. legal. yeah um but uh you know what it, it all worked out um uh that 2099 arc is what got me my punisher gig so ah. uh, mm. it all worked out um uh so I, 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 I this can't. is gold this is radio gold what are we doing <laughs> i'm recording i'm happy to I'm, i'll get into all this uh, once, once we're all like all actually right. in the thing now i'm just like giving you guys all the cliss notes before the interview yeah let's uh, just let's just jump into it so we can get all of that in here yeah. all right um yeah uh thanks so much for having me uh thanks for the wonderful introduction and uh yeah i'm excited to talk comics with everybody Thank you very much for being here, David. First and foremost, I think that a congratulations is in order because someone, since the last time he was here on the show, got engaged. Yes. Thank you so much. Congrats. Um, Thank you. That's that's very kind of you. Uh, uh, My my very patient partner, Claire, uh, uh, and I are tying the knot next year. Uh, And yeah, things have been uh, really great. I, I, uh, uh, we just signed our venue. Um, we're about to sign our caterer uh, probably later tonight. And then, um, yeah, and then uh, we can relax uh, for a couple of months and, and until uh, we have to start finding DJs and suits and wedding cakes. Catches up on you, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, we, we gave ourselves, thankfully, a good runway, um, actually a little over a year. Um, and uh, boy, even that it, it's, uh, uh, you know, 
making putting together a comic uh, really stress tested me for uh, all the, <laughs> uh, the hurdles of planning a wedding. Um, uh, uh, we're great, uh, but boy, uh, it feels like um, uh, a lot of these vendors have tried to throw a lot of curveballs at us that uh, we've been navigating really well as a couple. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited for that. But yeah, thank you for the kind words. I actually um, I turned in my last issue of Moon Knight: City of the Dead and then told Claire get in the car um, and. Uh, went and proposed to her that night so <laughs> oh, that's fantastic oh, wow. where, that's and, cool. where, where and how come on we love where yeah um i did it um i did it uh at the beach um in, in the south oh, Bay. i uh nice. i i have family down there and it was where we first lived when we moved to los angeles and i did not want to propose at a place that uh i thought might close um uh, <laughs> our, the first restaurant we went to is now like a Lululemon. Um, so like, you know, we, we can't go back there anymore. Yeah. Um, at least. Yeah. And so you at uh, least have to wait for a sale day. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we, 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 we did it on the beach. Um, How many lives has Lululemon ruined? My God. <laughs> I know I, I saw, I saw on the news they're getting sued uh, for uh, some sort of wrongful termination yeah. case. So that's what yeah. they get for closing down my favorite uh, first date restaurant. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Steve, I know you're going to know this place. Do you remember the Bavarian Inn on the lake? No. Okay. Um, Maybe you won't know. No, no, no. There was this, over by us, there's, there's a lake called Lake Ronkonkoma. It's this supposedly mystic haunted lake. And there was a lovely German restaurant on the shore. And I had friends who got engaged there. And their plan was to get married. The only thing is um, the lake undermined everything and ended up flooding the restaurant. It, it, the, the restaurant's now literally underwater. Oh, no. <laughs> so no no wedding at the Bavarian for that. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. That's, well, uh, we're not going to get married on the beach, uh, uh, specifically uh, uh, in case, you know, the beach winds up uh, uh, getting flooded. Um, but. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. Uh, she said yes. That was really the uh, important <laughs> That's thing. That's important. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. Uh, Pivotal so very, of the plot. <laughs> very, very exciting. Uh, and for all of you who are wondering, does this have anything to do with comics? I promise uh, I wouldn't have this career without uh, my, my my darling fiance who reads Aww. all of my scripts and approves them uh, before I send them out to my editors. Amazing. Uh, to make sure that normal people can understand them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you guys like my writing, uh, uh, good for you. Thank I'm you, Claire. Secret sauce, yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks. I appreciate real, that. Real quick though, let me ask you this because everybody is very specific about this. What are two things that you absolutely have to have at the wedding? Like what have you agreed upon that you need at this thing? Oh. Uh, like is the DJ the most important part? Videographer? The Macarena. He needs the Macarena. He's some kind of dish. We're 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 talking about some sort of superhero related cake topper. Yeah. Um, uh and uh yeah, I mean I I don't know. We're kind of in lockstep on everything. I mean, we were we were very excited for the venue. Um and we got that locked in. So um yeah, I feel pretty good about all of it. I guess just, you know, uh do my loved ones show up, you know, do my groomsmen uh all show up. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I really just said, you know, it would be cool to have a little something for the wedding topper. She's actually been very um, uh, uh, permissive over all of this. She keeps saying, do you want more superhero stuff? And I keep saying, I do Aww. want this to look like a wedding between two adults and not a, a single woman <laughs> and her uh, very pampered son. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it's been it's been great. Uh, honestly, a uh, wonderful team building exercise. Uh, we really are on lockstep for 
everything and um that's great uh yeah so uh i'm excited uh to to do this next year um so yeah um thanks that's awesome man <laughs> so for those of you listening out there if this is your first time with david uh david is a creator and writer of many amazing comic properties i'm gonna leave some out for you to fill in sure we've got spencer and Locke, scouts yes. honor yes. the devil that wears my face Savage Avengers, Moon Knight, City of the Dead, Punisher. What am I missing? Uh, I've done, you know, I, I, I go into the chapel, uh, the OZ. Yep. Yes. I did um, uh, uh, on digital. I did Avengers Unlimited. I did a two-parter on Fantastic Four and a, a fun uh, Hulk annual over the summer. Um, and, you know, a, a scattered anthology work across Marvel. Um, Moon Knight, Black, Wind and Blood. Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. Uh, Electra, Black, White, and Blood and um extreme venomverse um it's been fun it's been a very Jesus. busy couple of years i i, I think uh, the question would be what haven't you done over the last I, couple I, of years know, I, I, wow. I, the, the, the characters on the bucket list that i haven't hit yet is i haven't written dr strange and i haven't written any of the x-men i was gonna uh, say get on that x yeah. get on that x so, train uh, <laughs> uh you know uh from your lips to marvel's ears uh but you know <laughs> you i've been go. having a lot of fun um honestly uh with moon knight city of the dead our last issue is coming out on the 22nd of november um, and Punisher, which our first issue just dropped last week. Uh, it's oh, been a really oh. exciting book, and I've been very pleased uh, with how positive the response to our series has been, given how much trepidation there was behind the concept when we first announced it, which is uh, we were introducing a brand new legacy Punisher to the Marvel Universe. Uh, right. Garrison. And, so that's my that's my first question for you yeah, is whose idea was it to introduce the new Punisher? Like, was this something that you pitched? Did Marvel offer you the opportunity? How did that come about? So the way that that, that, that I wind up wound up getting to write Punisher was um, during my run on Savage Avengers. Uh, for those who who remember yes. that uh, that we had Conan the Barbarian for our first arc of the book, mm -hmm. and the way that that came to to, to pass was. Uh, when my editor, Tom Bravor, uh, asked me to pitch in the book, he had said, you know, if you you don't have to have Conan the Barbarian if you don't want to. And I had said, well, you know, how how often am I going to get the chance to write the character? You know, that feels like the selling point of the book. Let's let let me run with it. And so I had written my first arc saying uh, we had said it in the Hyborian Age. So I said, you know, we could always leave Conan there if we want. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to stay through the whole series. Um it's a, it's a very easy, uh, you know, endpoint for him, or we can have him, I knew our second arc was going to go to the distant future. We could have him go to the future, having taken like the long way or taken another way. And so um, as these things uh, sometimes happen, uh, Conan properties changed ownership, uh, you know, as I was working on my first arc and um, their priorities uh, had shifted. And so uh, what was going to be, uh, I assume, you know, a, a slam dunk renewal uh, with the license no longer was going to happen. And so, uh, you know, the lawyers, uh, you know, all kind of got involved to figure out like how we were going to do like kind of a controlled landing with everything. And um, with Jason Aaron doing a King Conan book um, and me just starting on, on Savage Avengers, uh, we were told, OK, you have till the end of the year to get Conan. Out of this book. So for me, I was wow. like, OK, well, like I get to use that escape patch that I had built for myself. Um, you know, we were going to leave Conan in the Hyborian age. And I actually got to write Conan's final Marvel comic, uh, which was just such a huge. That's awesome. I'm so pleased with how it came together. And um, so for our second arc, we we had to pivot a little bit. We knew we were going to go to a dystopian future. We'd gone to the distant past for arc one. Overshooting the way home felt like a, like a, like a good way to bookend that. And so I said, well, we need a new lead. Um, and, you know, we talked a, a, about a, a couple of different options, but I was like, you know, we need 
somebody who can like kind of hold their own the same way that Conan did. And so I asked for Jake Gallows, Punisher 2099. And we were going to bring the whole team to an even more dystopian version of 2099 that had been taken over by Ultron and his army of Deathlocks. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about like, you know, how are we going to portray this character? Uh, Because at the time, Jason Aaron was writing Frank Castle, uh, you know, as the new leader of the hand. And so we kind of wanted to figure out like, how do we write Jake in a way that doesn't like double up with what's going on in the hand right now. Um, And also just, you know, is, is kind of, represents best best practices you know that isn't doesn't come across as dated um from when jake was initially introduced so um long story short um uh, we did like a really cool arc for jake gallows and and tom really dug it and so he hit me up around february of this year and he said listen um we really liked what you did with 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 punisher 2099 and savage avengers we would like for you to take over the main punisher book and um not knowing what Jason had planned for for Frank, I said, "Oh yeah, you know uh, that'd be cool. I, you know, I, I'm sure I could come up with some ideas for Frank Castle." And uh, that's when my editor said, "Well, actually, here's a twist. Um, actually, <laughs> is that is that based on how Jason's story is going to unfold, um, Frank is going to be off the table after this series. We want to use this, and we want to introduce a brand new legacy Punisher character." And um, and that was sort of the beginning of our journey of developing Joe Garrison. Um, you know, uh, my editor, uh, Tom, you know, he he wrote up kind of a, a, a one sheet of just ideas that he had of like, here's what he thinks is, you know, is important to the Punisher as a character, you know, as a concept and some possible springboards for us to work off of. And uh, some of the ideas I, I, I took, like, you know, I, I agreed with Tom in that, um, you know, I think the Punisher as a symbol, you know, like as a character you know, it, he's defined by his tenacity, the the badassness, the attitude, um, the single mindedness, um, you know, kind of leaning on his arsenal and his, his combat skills um, and just being relentless and taking down whoever he, he, whoever his target is, even if it means taking like a bunch of hits along the way. Um, but I as you know, we were coming to think about this book, I thought a lot about um, about uh, Robbie Ray's as Ghost Rider. You know, mm-hmm. um, that character, for oh. those who remember, he'd kind of pivoted the Ghost Rider iconography from motorcycles to muscle cars, you know, yeah. and, and so doing was kind of able to carve out his own lane, no pun intended, um, you know, uh, uh, for himself. That was different, uh, different enough from Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch and all that. And so I thought to myself, you know, how do we do that for a Punisher character? And so. Uh, as we, we we were kind of hashing it out, uh, what what we wound up kind of gravitating towards was uh, the John Wick of Shield. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wow! Like a, a, elevator a, a, pitch, I love it. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah sure. like a former Wetworks agent who had retired to pursue the call of family. Um, somebody who's kind of defined by like the 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 heightened arsenal, the heightened tech, but also the gun fu choreography of it all. So it doesn't really matter what hardware Joe has because he can always just use the environment around him. Um, but unfortunately for Joe, he had retired to uh, pursue the call of family and somebody just blew up his house with his family still inside of it. And the police, as they are wont to do, um, having not found a body, uh, the husband is now prime suspect. And so it really is like John Wick beats the fugitive, um, where Joe has to go on the run I to find my wife, who set him up and why. Uh-huh. And so I, I, it was one of those things that we were really kind of walking a tightrope. Um, you know, we we wanted to make, especially after uh, you know Jason's run, which was was so well received, but also very controversial in some corners. 
Um, and it was such a departure from the traditional Punisher story that we wanted to kind of, with this new character, we, we did want to go back to basics. We did want to kind of uh, return the character to uh, to their its roots, um, but to find different ways of, of distinguishing it, you know? Um, and so it really was a tightrope of how do we introduce new concepts to this while still making it feel like a Punisher book? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've been very pleased. I think a lot of readers, when we first announced, were very trepidatious. And I understand why, um, you know, it's like, first off, they're very protective of the characters. And I think also, and I'm sure you guys have felt the same way. I certainly feel it from time to time is that I think sometimes we've like trained a whole generation to try to anticipate stories rather mm-hmm. than like be present in them. You know, we're reading the tea leaves and solicits and, you know, we're all figuring out like, Ooh, who's going to write this book next. And, you know, Oh, this, this series is ending. Who's going to take it over. Um, and I think legacy characters often kind of throw a wrench in that. Uh, because you don't know, you you don't know what elements are going to stay and you don't know what elements are considered core to the character that you have to keep in order for them to feel like a Punisher. Uh, uh, or, you know, what elements do you not use or do you substitute with something else uh, to make them unique? And so I think a lot of readers were very pleasantly surprised that this wasn't this, the new character is the departure, but like the the elements that go into him Um, We really were like, we're trying to, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to build a different kind of wheel that still is as strong as the original wheel. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun experience. You know, Dave Wachter is honestly our secret weapon uh, in the book. His art's fantastic. It's so like perfect for this, the mood that you're going for, the character that you're presenting. Yeah, I mean, I, I Tom really cast this book well between uh, uh, Dave and, and Dan Brown, our colorist. I mean, Dave and I, we talk kind of at length of like what my influences were on this. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, Chad Stalinsky movies, David Leach, um, that kind of um, cohort. Uh, you know, I talked about uh, ACO on Midnighter. I talked about Damian Scott on Batgirl because uh, that was another big influence, um, you know, because Bruce Wayne is kind of like the all-rounder of the Batman family, whereas like Cassandra, she's the fight girl. You know, you drop her in yeah. anywhere and you half the fun is just watching her fight her way out. That's something I wanted for Joe. Um, Scott McDaniel on Nightwing. And Dave really took those influences to heart and built like a really nice visual vocabulary for this book. Um, you know, just seeing uh, the way that he has leveled up it's it's spectacular i mean he's a 20 year almost 20 year veteran of of the scene and it shows on every page um he's a a real professional but he's also one that pushes himself uh really hard and he pushes you know the whole team um and it helps us really inspire each other to bring our a game um you know he's not somebody we're i think in lockstep and that good enough is not good enough and so we're really all pushing hard to, to to deliver our absolute a games Man, every time you're on, you answer so many of my questions in one go. I don't know where to go next. David, Let me ask can you I this. Ask, well, Steve, go ahead. Uh, how long is this current run? Is it four issues? So our our, our our immediate arc, Joe's origin story, is is four issues, and then uh, you know, really beyond that, it's kind of just whatever, however long Marvel wants to take it. Um, but okay. I, I've given Marvel a very long uh, series of ideas. Uh, I think this is a <laughs> character that, um, especially the way that we, once his origin story has, has been concluded and, and sort of he is finally kind of 
taken like really uh finally adopted the name of the punisher um minor spoilers there um i have a i i I have a conceit for that character moving forward that we could really tell stories for as long as the market could sustain it um you know it's well i i'll go into it a little bit later um with with some other questions but yeah it's I've given them a laundry list of new villain concepts, um, a bunch of other villains that I thought could use a new coat of paint um, yeah. that could 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 work as Punisher villains. And for me, without spoiling anything, um, the 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 th- the core element that I pitched was just, you know, of course Joe's going to be putting people on the ground. I mean, he's not like hugging people, you know, that he is still yeah. a Punisher. But I, I wanted to kind of lean into the Dick Tracy of it all a little bit too, uh, to give Joe a returning Rogues Gallery. That like for him, he's going to kill people, but there are also some punishments worse than death. And so there are going to be some people who managed to survive round one with the Punisher, but are way messed up and then are foolish enough to try to come back for round two. Um, And that's kind of I think that's really fun and interesting and speaks to, you know, cycles of violence, which I think is ultimately like that's the curse of the Punisher is that like once you're in it, it's almost impossible to get out um and 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 sort of this this cycle of violence like um you know that's the reason that's probably the reason why frank has has lived as long as he has is just because like most people don't get up for round two uh but we're gonna make things hard for joe um uh, we're gonna make it even more challenging Mm -hmm. for him so yeah a, a long laundry list of people that joe can still you know really let him have it um but maybe there are ways for them to come back still frank Frank Castle is such an interesting character because like, you know, hearing you talk about, about Joe is so interesting because it does feel like new and there's a lot of road ahead to take this character, Frank Castle. And we've talked about it on the show a couple of times, but some of the best Frank Castle stories of the modern era, when I'm thinking back to Rucka's run, don't Mm -hmm. Frank's like a boogeyman in there. He's a ghost. And, and it got to the point where the franchise's title character was, in it as a instigating force, but wasn't necessarily the central figure. Now you have a venue to tell new stories with a new character that is fresh and new, but still staying true to the conceit. So I think, you you know, I know what, what Aaron was doing with the hand stuff, you know, served as a real interesting storyline for Frank, but I think it's, I think it is the right move to, to have this new character, have this new volume and, and hearing you talk about it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this could run for decades. (laughs) You know, like, well, you know, I, I've thought a lot about it. Like, you know, it's funny, even like, even as the writer of it, like there are some things that like I know specifically from my vantage point. And then there are other elements that like, I still kind of, I have to speculate a little bit, you know, like I, I was thinking about it, uh, you know, people have asked me a lot, like, oh, why I knew, why do a, a legacy character now, you know, why not wait even longer to introduce it? And as I've thought about it, you know, I've been like, well, actually, you know, without spoiling anything, the way that Jason ended his Punisher story, you know, it was certainly an ending for Frank, but it was an ending that a lot of people were talking Um, like a lot of people in, you know, um, it was, it it was, it was a conversation starter really in the best of ways. You know, there are people who are like, this is the best Punisher story I've ever heard. There are others who are uh, uh, outraged um, that, you know, that, that, that Frank uh, would no longer, you know, that had renounced the Punisher name. Um, and there are some, you know, uh, it, it was one of those 
we we needed to strike while that iron was still hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, I think people they have been talking about this Punisher book ever since we announced it at San Diego Comic Con. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, some of them, some of them asking, you know, why are you doing this? Why do you need to do this? And you know, why do you need to do anything really? I mean, you know, at, at some point, it's just we're adding something to to the tapestry. You know, um, we're just adding more to that iconography and that, that mythology, and we're just trying to add add. You know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think Frank, Frank is a character that's got 50 years of stories to him. Um, and you know, uh, many of, of the best Frank Castle stories have been about his end. Um, you know, Jason Aaron, actually, you know, he's the type who he, he's lucky he's written, uh, two of them. Yeah. Uh, you look at Greg Rucka, um, you know, that story was about an ending. Frank um, and Castle, baby. Yeah. Best yeah. Well, that was that was Remender. You <laughs> that know, was Remender's Frankenstein uh, Castle, baby. Remender, you know, uh, but Remender yeah. as well. You know that that he wrote an ending and then a rebirth for Frank and um, Remender did something. Or, or sorry, uh, Greg Rucka did something similar in that it was sort of Frank having to escape. You know, um, like you know, uh, Rachel Cole Alves wound up taking taking the fall for him, and the Avengers had to wind up like putting a hammer down on him by the end. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Frank is a character that has had many endings, but it was kind of nice to be able to start with a character just at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I think something that I, I think the Punisher is a symbol. There's, I mean, I, I can't be a professional and not say that there isn't controversy behind the character. I mean, I think as a professional, I have to be aware of it. Um, and then I can kind of look at the story and figure out like, how do we sidestep? some of this stuff like how do i get to tell a punisher story that doesn't fall into these pits that you know suddenly is consumed by by real life controversy and so uh the big thing that was really important to me is that frank castle when you meet him in amazing spider-man 129 he is the punisher already Mm -hmm. he has made that decision Uh, being the punisher is a choice and he's already long marinated in his pain he's already clearly racked up a body count um, you know, as, as the punisher and Joe, Joe's not there yet. You know, Joe's, especially this origin story, it really is this, the wounds are fresh. They're so fresh and he's still kind of figuring out like, what's he going to do with all this, uh, without spoiling too much. Um, he's not out there calling himself the punisher. That is actually kind of a legacy that's been thrust upon him that somebody sees his 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 shield ballistic armor and his weapons belt and thinks i think that guy had a skull on his chest and then suddenly the media runs with it and that's going to be kind of a core theme of this origin stories how does joe go from uh, it doesn't matter what they call me it's all just misdirection to maybe i am the punisher maybe this one man mission of revenge how does it turn into like a more self-sustaining war that is kind of the the, the core themes of this origin story um, because I know a lot of people both in the real world and in the Marvel universe have asked quite rightly, what would make somebody, why would somebody call themselves the Punisher knowing the kind of heat and notoriety that name has. And um, we're really kind of going, we're, 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 we're leaning into that head on uh, with this story. And by the time that we get to uh, the, the fourth issue of this origin story, um, Joe's going to have to make a choice too. Damn. Yeah. David, I, I'm going <laughs> to jump in a second. I think it's related to this in a way yeah. as, and and I hate doing this, but it's sort of the, the devil's advocate question, but it's from me actually. 
All right. As someone who who understood the Punisher coming in where he did, where where the comics code was slightly different, so now you can sort of add these violent characters. As a supporting character, as a villain, but a villain Mm -hmm. with, if not reasonable, at least an understandable motive for what he did. Sure. Classic revenge thing. I always struggled as the altacaca in the room and and has been reading these books for such a long time. Yeah. The the idea that the rest of the heroes of the Marvel Universe would put up with this and not instantly just, okay, the Avengers show up and throw him in jail forever. And so what I'm hearing from you already, though, is where Joe's place is is somewhat different. But explain. Tell me why, and and the people like me, okay, this Punisher is different because I should read this because kind of thing. Yeah. I think you already hit some of it, but sure. give, give, me, give a, me the pitch. It's a great question. It's a great question, um, you know, because I think when Frank Castle, when Frank Castle debuted, it was the same year as Death Wish. And when he yeah. had his first miniseries, it was uh, during the trial of Bernard Getz, you know? So it was oh, very right. much... Uh, you know, uh, he was he was a symbol of his time that was very much at that point a question of due process. You know, in this case, back then it was like, oh, is the law's hands tied too much? Is there too much red tape that like some some lone figure needs to just step in and and make things right? Mm-hmm. You know, with his own two hands. And I think my, and my goal for Joe is uh, especially as he's been once he's been established through his origin story is I think the conversation has shifted a little bit um, uh, since since then in that now I think the real question is, is like, do you ever feel like society is rigged against the little guy? You know, you see it oh. in our politicians, in our law enforcement, in the corporations, in the way laws are or aren't enforced. People fall through the cracks every day. The, the social safety net is in tatters. And so the way that I have kind of pitched Joe and the way that I see his place moving forward as the Punisher is I wanted a Punisher for the little guy. I wanted the people's Punisher. Brilliant. That if the Brilliant. law can't help you, maybe this is the guy that'll help settle the score. And I think by introducing a brand new character, we're really able to kind of wipe that slate clean. I, I you know, it's one of those things uh, you could say that Frank Castle has uh, baggage in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the controversy that that kind of follows the character. Mm-hmm. But I would also I would say more importantly, there's just a lot of expectation. Like, you know what a Frank Castle story looks like. Uh, you can just close your eyes yes, and imagine yes. exactly what that is. And so for me, uh, being able to kind of take that, you know, we see it even in our first issue that like Joe, when he when he ultimately has to make a choice between like, hey, I could take this guy in and figure out who killed my family and also clear my name, or I got to save a hostage. He saves the hostage. He doesn't, he, he doesn't really think twice. Sure. He makes this impossible million to one shot that he, he knows his wife would have wanted him to take. And I think the other thing though, like we're talking about kind of like the, 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 the core concept of it all and, and mm-hmm. what, Joe stands for as a Punisher, but I think it's also the way that he just operates as a Punisher. You know, I think um, one of my, my favorite run on Punisher is probably Rick Remender, uh, particularly his opening arc during dark rain. And during that um, he had Frank Castle kind of uh, uh, find a whole collection of like superhero and supervillain gear that he was able to use to kind of elevate his adventures a little bit. Like, That's right. yes, he, used yes. an ant- he used an Ant-Man suit 
um, to like sneak into like uh, he rode in on a, on a delivery pizza and then like got eaten and like blew a hole through the guy to get out. Um, for, for Joe, having the heightened shield gear, we're able to kind of have our cake and eat it too, where we're able to do something similar to that. You know, it's not just guns you're going to find on the street. Um, but we're able to add in little like twists and turns to kind of make things interesting. So Joe, for example, um, every bullet he fires, is they're called Reaper bullets. So each one emits a, a tracking signal. So if you manage to, if you get tagged by the Punisher and manage to escape, he can he still hunt you down. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, they're, they're sort of murderous spider tracers, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, but I think also it's the choreography. It's the gun foo of it all. Um, that was really the important thing for me. Um, in that, like, there have been Punisher stories that kind of feel like guns and ammo ads, um, you know, looking at you in the nineties. Um, yeah. and I think that that's not really where I wanted to take it. Um, you know, it's the year 2023, like, you know, I, 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 I don't really want to romanticize like gun violence. Um, you know, I, I don't want anybody to think they can walk into a Walmart and walk out as the Punisher. I did kind of want to put those toys a little higher up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, for Joe, it's really it's the choreography. It's how does he move through a crowd? You know, John Wick, if you like John Wick, you're going to like this book. Um, and that was sort of the, the, the big thing was I was like, you know, if the Punisher has people trying to punch and counter punch politically, but nobody's doing that for John Wick, how do we kind of like shift the window a little bit uh, towards this sort of, you know, the, 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 the kind of uh, action, the choreography that people like. Um, and like, I, I don't know if I said it during the recording, if we were talking about before the recording, but um you know, like 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 Batgirl. You know, it's like I I wanted Joe to be able to fight, and I wanted him to be able to use his environment. Um, that's a big part. Like I'm very deliberate. Where is Joe in any particular scene? You know, and uh, you know, is he in uh, is he in a nightclub? Is he you know is he is he in a, a penthouse tower? Um, is he in an abandoned uh, manufacturing plant? Um, you know, these sorts. Each setting has its own unique um, opportunities for Joe. And as he says in in the first issue every opportunity is a weapon in his in his hands um so those are sort of the, the kinds of elements that we we wanted to use to make joe feel different um as the punisher and i will say also um you know joe he starts off kind of stoic i had pitched him i said frank is kind of if he's fire this guy is ice you know like he this guy was military in shield he knows like how to He's this, he was a secret agent, you know, like he, he he knows how to kind of keep things close to the vest. But as you'll see, as Joe's origin continues, um, that cool exterior might not remain cool all the time. The mask does occasionally slip. And I think those are going to be the moments that result in the biggest bits of growth for the character. And that really kind of pushes him closer and closer uh, to the Punisher as a legacy. Well, I think you sold me, David. So there you go. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of other people too. Yeah. You're, you're oh, describing you. something. I think the first time I heard described was probably for the original La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. but certainly it came into came into the, the the John Wick movies. The idea of a ballet of violence. Yeah. That it, that yeah. It could be gorgeous and still brutal at the same time, and that, I think and that's I what tell you, you're hitting on. Dave and Dan really understood the assignment when I pitched it to them because it was, it was one of those things again, like I, I am fully aware of, uh, you know, the, the, the trepidation uh, behind the, the, the uh, introducing a new Punisher from both sides of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I knew that people were going to be just endlessly scrutinizing uh, between sure. Frank and Joe. 
Um, they're going to be scrutinizing about his training, uh, which is why I said, okay, shield, because that is that way we're not, you know, we're 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 not in any sort of um pissing contest between any of the branches of the real world military. Um, you know, like we couldn't make him a Marine, but we don't want people to say, oh, well, this guy's a Marine and this guy's an Air Force or this guy's in the Navy. Or Navy and... SEAL or whatever, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, we, and we, we or even really... just a cop, you know, like that had its all, all its baggage yeah, as well. Exactly. And 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 we didn't really want to deal with any of that. And we also didn't want to, you know, we didn't we understand people, you know, concerns about uh you know, people wrongly appropriating the Punisher as a symbol. Um, you know, real life groups like we 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 certainly weren't looking to encourage any of that. So having Joe with shield training, but not being affiliate like he's an ex a long retired shield agent. That way, we're sort of able to be like, OK, like he he's he's on the run from the police. So we're not really like affiliating him with any real world groups yeah. that, uh, you know, might might be seen in the uh, maybe taken in the wrong direction. Um, uh, there was another point that I was going to have with this. Um the other thing was like, you know, his tragedy, you know, I, I think there, there, there have been some people who, who've cried foul that um, Joe has a dead family uh, the same way as, as Frank Castle. And my opinion to that is similar to when anybody says that the Punisher isn't, a, isn't a mantle is, you know, that's not true. I, I, I wrote Punisher 2099 for six months. Um, I'm a huge fan of Rachel Cole Alvis, um, you know, yeah. Lynn Michaels, uh, Outlaw, even Jigsaw. There's been plenty of other Punishers out there. Um and I think having a dead family is like a core element that like makes you a punisher. Let's talk Superman and Batman. Let's go all around. Exactly. Right? It's, it's <laughs> that, that's literally what yeah. the Spider-Verse movie was about. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's canon events. Uh, canon so events. Um, and, and yeah, so like, you know, I say anybody with a bat on their chest probably has a dead parent. So like, I, I think <laughs> that is that is a core part uh, of being a punisher is having a dead family. But what I would say uh, uh, is that Frank, you know, it, for most interpretations, um, you know, the the Netflix series notwithstanding, um, Frank's family, that was random, you know, it was there in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, you know, there happened to be like a, like a gang battle in a park that they happened to be in and they were just the victims of mindless, random violence. And that's what kind of led Frank in his journey. Joe, on the other hand, it's like injury upon injury because not only is his family killed, but his family is targeted. Um, and not only is his family targeted, but then he's blamed for it. And so suddenly his whole journey, he's still kind of got to go through this crucible of like the cops are after me. Uh, you know, like I got to figure out like who did this and like, is there a chance for a normal life after this? Which I think that's going to be a big part of, of of Joe's journey is that like, especially even by the first issue, I think he kind of realizes like, I don't know if there's like a normal, normal thing at the end of this, um, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, these are, these are subtle distinctions, but they're very important ones uh, just as, as the way, you know, that I want Joe to be the people's punisher that like, you know, he can still punish people, but it's sort of for, for a, a, a perhaps a greater good than his own revenge, than his own kind of the the, the hole in his soul. Um, he can still have that. But I think for, you know, my goals for him is that like, there are plenty of people who need helping. There are plenty of people who need avenging and there are plenty of people who need punishing. Um, and Joe is going to be kind of the, the one man crew yeah. for, for, for that as, as, as long as I'm writing him. 
that's a that's a that's a whole classic thing we have. I mean, we just mentioned Superman and Batman, but that's the whole reason those heroes were who they were in the 30s coming into the depression they were for the little guy yeah it was the the the, the slum lord it was it was the the guy who ran the store who cheated all the people and now you you've set up a punisher in a very classic way that on purpose yeah. or not i'm gonna say it is because you're a history you're a story of these things so the, uh, it had to be in there somewhere right yes. my, my my goal is to have a punisher who you can't argue that he's not punching up, you know? Yeah, um, there you go. I think I think that's really kind of, that's, I think, the biggest shift in the 50 years since Frank Castle's debut is, you know, I think we're all a, a lot more cognizant now of like, how does law, how does the law work? Who's, you know, whose laws are being enforced? When are they not being enforced? Um, and so I think that really does open the door up for a, a, a Punisher in a really cool way. And, and in a way that I think, can ring across the political aisle. I mean, I, I I think I think no matter where you stand on the political spectrum, uh, for for the very most part, um, you know, I think everybody can agree the little guy's getting screwed. Um, exactly. Exactly. And and so I think that's something that um, you know, I I, I I'm real. Those are the kinds of stories I'm really excited to tell. Um, and I think we can still tell those stories in a way that it it still feels like a Punisher book. Hmm. Sorry, I had so, a cat. Sorry, Steve. We, we we jumped. Sorry, Steve. We jumped on all your questions. Sorry, but go. No, it's all good. Um, yeah. you mentioned the reception to the first issue. Tell us a little bit about that. You've been kind of basking in it, from what I can see from Twitter. At least it's been wonderful. Um, you know, like I, you know, it. it I this is the biggest profile book I've ever done, um, mm. you know, which is always funny to me because I would have thought I would have thought that you know Savage Avengers or Moon Knight, City of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, Punisher, I've had to really remind myself is that that is a character and a concept that really has transcended the page, uh, if for better or for worse. And so, um, I think there were a lot of eyes on us for that one. And like I said, um, when we announced the book and this is always, I, I understand why it happens, but it's, it, it's, it's sometimes a little turbulent when you do it this way is that, you know, we announced the book, but really all we had, all we had to show for it was we had two covers. Um, and just what little I had said at, at the panel at San Diego Comic-Con. And that is when I quickly learned that, like, you know, Twitter is a telephone game, you know, um, you know people, <laughs> this stuff mutates, um, you know, people, uh, you know, people are already primed to get the wrong impression. Um, but then they'll sort of they'll pick up half the story or they'll sort of say something in like the least charitable way possible. I mean, I, I had so many people saying, oh, the new Punisher's a fed. And I was, it's like, no, he's on the <laughs> run from the police. Uh, quite the opposite. Um, but uh, so I think, you know, as the book was coming out, people were very nervous, um, you know, because like I said, it's a it's not just a legacy character. It's a legacy Punisher. So, you know, it's it's potential controversy on top of potential controversy. Um, and the thing that I just kept asking people was, hey, just give us a shot, like, like, give us a shot. And and I think it was because everyone was expecting such a huge departure um, in the same way that uh, Jason's run was. Um, and, and in certain ways, you might argue that Jason's run might have been in, uh, in an indictment, so to speak, of, of Frank. And so I think there, there were certain corners that weren't sure if we were going to do have that same angle. And actually quite the opposite, you know, it's, it, it, it's for me, it's sort of everything 
everything I want to say about the character, I like I just said the book's gonna speak for itself. Um, you know, the things that I would want altered for the character, I just get to alter, you know, I don't have to say it. Yeah, there you go. I, I'll just I, I I will bake that into the concept of the character and use that to help differentiate from what came before. So honestly, like if anything now, I think like the only complaint that we've 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 had is people being like, oh, now it's too similar, uh, you know, that like he's got a dead family and he's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's out for revenge. And I do think that's kind of a reductive way of looking at it. But I think most people who have read the book are like, oh, this feels like a classic Punisher book. And I, I, I see that as a, as a huge compliment. Um, you know, we really are trying to kind of take this thing back to its roots. We are trying to get back to basics. We want to tell a Punisher book that feels like a Punisher book. Um, and and uh, I know people did not want to believe me when I said that, but uh, now that they've read the book, um, the response has been incredibly positive. Um, of course, like fandom's never uh, a monolith, especially for a character as big as this. But I, I will say that the, the the response really, for anybody who's read the book and read it in good faith, um, has been overwhelmingly positive. And of course, there are, are a few people out there who have their own axes to grind. And, um, you know, like, we'll keep working to win them over. Um, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, even even the worst of them, the majority have said, oh, well, the writing is pretty good and the, the art's pretty good. And I was like, well, the worst is you can say is that it's pretty entertaining. I, I will take that. Um, so, yeah, I've been I've been very pleased with the response. But boy, you know, um, I, you know, I certainly had my 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 my, my time sweating bullets uh, going into it. Uh, you never know how a book is going to be received. Um, you know, the, the the night before release, you're like, okay, how's this thing going to go? You know, you know, there's going to be a ratio. You know, there's going to be right. some people who love the book, um, and some people who just hate its very existence. And then you don't know what the ratio is. But I've been very fortunate that it really has been uh, overwhelmingly in our favor, and I think that speaks to. Not just like, you know, the, the the fun pop culture influences that we're kind of melding together for this, but I, I think it really does speak to to Dave Wachter um, and Dan Brown. Just like we, I, I, I asked Tom when we were putting the book together, I said, you know, Robbie Reyes feels like one of those legacy characters that like, that feels like the blueprint that I'm kind of drawing on here um, and how. Uh, you know, what made him popular? And I know Tom, when when I asked, he was like, you know, that Tradmore art really kind of helped seal the deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And having the the, the 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 muscle car culture. That book looks so damn good when you uh, open it. Yeah. And so I was like, I asked him, I challenged him. I said, okay, who's going to be the next Trad? <laughs> trad? Give me one of those. Get me uh, one of those. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me one of those, uh, you know. Um, and I, I, I really do think that, that Tom took that to heart, um, knowing that, like, people were going to be skeptical about this book that um, he really put Dave as a superstar in the making um, seeing the way that his work has leveled up. Um, even since I read, like uh, I read an iron fist uh, mini that he did a few years back and seeing even just how much he's grown in like the last two years is pretty spectacular. Um, and he mm -hmm. really just, um, he's leaving it all out on the field on this book and every page looks spectacular. And I always say, you know, ever since my very first book, making people begrudgingly like my work feels like my superpower. And <laughs> I feel like that's, not, I feel that's like, not fair to yourself, David. Well, you, no, you, just you, just I, you I, put I, a I've lot, done... a lot of into your work across a lot of venues, a lot of companies too. You you built your own 
brand. It's kind of, you take pride in the converts. I, I take. I do okay, take pride in the converts. Okay. It, it's it's that it's that I, I will I will tend to throw out concepts where people on their face are like I don't know how I was going to do that, and then I just kind of like motorcycle stunt jump my way over it. Um, okay, and, evil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I evil can evil this, um, and that's kind of how I I, I I feel with Punisher. You know, when Tom asked me to do it, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I certainly had a, a brief moment of hesitation, um, you know, because like legacy Punisher is not on anybody's bingo card. Um, and I, I remembered something that Brian Bendis said. Um, he used to say that you never, you never turn down an assignment because you're afraid of it. And I was like, oh, you know, it's one of those things. Like I, I love the Marvel universe. I, I am, I am a true believer. I've been a true believer since I was five years old. Um, you know, this is my dream job. And I, I love this universe. I, I know it pretty much backwards and forwards, I'd say at this point. And um, for me, I was like, you know, this this is, is a daunting challenge. You know, it's a, it's it takes all the challenges of operating in a shared universe, but also all the, the world building challenges and character building challenges of creator owned. And I was like, but, you know, I know I could handle this. I know that I could handle this with the sensitivity and respect that the character deserves and the character needs. And so um, to see all the skeptics um, really turn around in a big way, um, that's been one of the more heartening experiences in my career. And um, it's one that, you know, I'll, I'll write Joe for as long as Marvel will have me um, because I feel like having that character uh, with the adventures that I want to tell for him um it feels like good storytelling. It honestly feels like a moral imperative. You know, I think that's something that Tom and I talk a lot about is that, you know, heroes, you know, once you get away from like all the crazy, like world destroying stuff and the parallel universes and the soap opera between, you know, all the fellow heroes, or maybe they've got like a cat, a black cat kind of, you know, thing. It's that they're supposed to be helping the little guy, you know, the heroes are supposed to save people. Yeah. Um, and, and, I think for a character that has been so overshadowed by the connotations, by the violence, by the controversy, by the way that the character has been adopted in the real world in not always positive ways, um, to be able to reclaim that as a symbol of somebody fighting back. for the little Absolutely. guy, um, I consider that to be a moral imperative. And so... Um, uh, kudos yes. kudos to i you will uh you'll, you'll you'll have to you'll have to pry this book out of my cold dead fingers i'll leave fingernail marks on the way out uh but i yeah i think there's just so much potential to the character and um it's it's one that i i really do hope that we get to explore for uh, as long as the market will allow David, for me, so many of our great characters are at their best. Even the most powerful ones, it's it's those smaller stories. So yeah. whether it's Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen, yeah. or it's Wonder Woman bending down to help a little girl or whatever, it's like, mm -hmm. yes, I, I, uh, Captain Marvel and Lieutenant Trouble in, uh, in yeah. her apartment building. It's those sort of things that humanize the characters that give resonance to years' worth of stories. And the way you're talking about this, I... Uh, I'm thrilled. This is this is what comics writing should be, and too often it's about events and big stuff and blowing up worlds, and that's all fun too. Yeah, but give uh, me a character I can relate to, and that that I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, I, I I 
I want I want to keep Joe as, as close to the street as possible. And not to say we can't have some really cool elevated high concept stuff with the villains yeah. in particular. But uh yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, never say never. And if there if the if the right story comes up that kind of pops it up to 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 a bigger tier status, like of course. But um I'm just eager to get to kind of, for people to get to know the character better and to just kind of get to show him in action. Um I, I like to think that I'm pretty good at writing action sequences. Uh, especially yeah. when I'm working with artists it's... like Dave and um, that's kind of, I'm like, Oh, I'm on the fight book now. Like, let's do that. Uh, let's huh. lean into that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's something I would really, uh, I would love to do for, for a long time and um, uh, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to. Yeah. Well, what if they ever pitch you an idea that he has to be in a giant mecha suit, like a transformer, then it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. No, no. So, I, well, hey, listen, listen, giant Are you kidding mecha me? That sounds awesome. Okay, that's my, that's you're singing my song. <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, I, I always say, well, it's got to be the right story. Uh, so, you know what, now, now I'm going to spend the rest of the night thinking about gi- giant mech suits. So thank you for that. Bob. Sorry. <laughs> Amazing. All right. I have no idea how long we've been at this. So I want to make sure that we get in a few more questions before yeah. we got to cut you loose. I have so many things that I want to ask you, but I'm going to go to this <laughs> next. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Joe is that he's playing with some very different weaponry than I've seen uh, Frank use in the past. He's using uh, shield weaponry. Is that correct? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. I I'd like to think that I know at least you a a little, a little bit, a little bit. How excited are you to play with that arsenal? And can you tell us anything that you have up your sleeve creatively as far as him using this stuff without spoiling anything. Yeah. Like I was very tempted to spoil a fun weapon. He's got an issue for, um, you can also but, tell uh, me to go on to the next question. Cause I don't want to get you in any trouble. No, it's not, it won't give me any trouble. You know what? Don't do it. Don't do it. That issue still being no. drawn. Things might change. Um, and it might change in the lettering pass, but I will tell you, I will tell you, I will give you one word. I will give you one weapon that's coming up in the future. Okay. If, if it'll make you happy. Yeah. 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 Stun chucks. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Brilliant. Love uh, that. Brilliant. Uh, that'll come out. That'll come up later. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, Joe has uh, some really cool uh, weaponry and just the way that we get to see him kind of flex his different muscles. Um, issue two in particular, um, I had initially pitched it as um, the raid on it, it, it. But if we did the raid on the Continental Hotel from John Wick. Um, Holy crap. <laughs> but my 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 editors rightly were like, that's a little close to John Wick. You are borrowing a lot from John Wick. And so we're doing it more of like 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 an office penthouse. Um, but it's still uh, the crime boss known as the offer is on the top floor. And his supervillain bodyguards, known as the Night Shift, are on all the other floors. And Joe's got to make his way up from the garage. Oh, man. Lovely. Um, so that's issue two. Um, and you'll get to see um, some fun characters. Um, you know, it's not a spoiler because he's on the cover, but uh, Bushwhacker, uh, for example. Um, and, and we actually, I got to add a little fun little Easter egg to Bushwhacker uh, that I had been thinking for a while. And um, uh, it's already at the printer. So it's it's uh, it's it? canon now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that they let me get away with it, but I'm very happy that they did. Um, 
And yeah, just uh, uh, some really fun characters thrown into the mix on that one. So um, stay tuned. That'll be out December 13th. Okay. Based on what you just said, I have a proposal. This is looking a little bit into the future, but we are going to do our best to put together some kind of a like uh, resurrect our talking movies brand. And we're going to go through a lot of the comic book themed films and other stuff too, that we've never touched on on this show. Would you be our guest when we talk about dread? I was I was literally thinking about dread uh, as you were saying it. Sure, hit me up. I love dread. That's a great awesome, movie. awesome. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know it's funny. It was it really was. This whole thing has been very much a tight rope act in figuring out like what weapons are elevated, but not like so futuristic that I'd be like, oh, that's Punisher twenty ninety nine. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like Punisher, we were able to give him basically like homing bullets, like sidewinders that could like kind of you know track somebody. Yeah, down. that's think, reasonable. That, that, that's probably a little too much for like 2023 616, you know, um, like, but, you know, having yeah. the each having each bullet have its own homing signal that you could then track down like that felt within the realm of possibility. So um, but I, I really do. I see him kind of like Batman a, a little bit, you know, um, I've wanted to write a shield book for years, um, being able to play with all the cool tech. Um, but it's like Batman where like he can you can pull out all sorts of different things and it still feels organic, especially with all the shield tech. So we were able to take what, what Rick Remender did with the supervillain and superhero arsenal. And we we're able to take that, push that one step further where we're like, Oh no, this is all Joe stuff. Joe can do this stuff anytime he'd like. Um, We've seen uh, it already. It goes. Yeah. 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 It's fun. It's cool. You know, the rail gun, um, you know, fr- fr- from all that. Um, and we'll see Joe, Joe has a few other, uh, things up his sleeve um, that uh, we'll see as, as the series progresses. Love it. Love it. All right. Let me ask you this. When you're writing a scene, like let's say the black dragon club confrontation, yeah. the big fight in there. Okay. How detailed do you get about the interior of the bar? Like, do you give Dave a detailed description of the building or do you just tell them the rooms that they need to, what yeah. they need for the scene? How does that work? Let me open up the script and see what I see what I wrote. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, you know, one of those, it's one of those things. I, I I'm 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 trying to remember because I I wrote this script back in May. Uh, wow. And so uh, I I'm trying to remember exactly. I think That's a quick turnaround I, for the issue. Yeah, I I think. Um, boy, uh, Punisher number one. Come on. Um. <laughs> Punisher right. number one underscore final draft underscore XX. That's pretty much how I do it. <laughs> my, 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 my MacBook is uh, the search. Oh, here we go. Okay, let's see. Let's see. I'm just like, I'm always curious about this stuff because it, this is your environment, right? Like you're writing the yeah. story, you're creating this world. How how detailed, how much do you know yeah. about where you are? So I, wait, how much do I know about what? I'm sorry. Like, the building in your head when you're writing this, yeah. do you know all the four? Do you know where the bathroom is? That kind of thing. No, no. So so what I tend to do is I know that there are certain things that are going to be in it. So like I knew in this club, for example, that they were going to have a kitchen in the back um, and that there was a bar up front. Um, I do try to leave my artists a lot of wiggle room because like they're the they're the real vision. Like I could come up with ideas, but they're the ones who have to be the architects that make it all fit together. So like, I, I try to kind of leave some breathing room, but looking at the script right now, you know, I'm talking about, you know, um, I described it as a CD classy gangster bar in New York 
Uh, and as we'll soon see, the home of Mr. Negative's inner demons gang. We could also borrow elements from the ubiquitous nightclubs that John Wick always hits. Inside the club, uh, a man will call the Sokovian sits alone at the bar, holding an empty shot glass as he attempts to lay low. He's the guy who killed our new Punisher's family. Uh, he's not a terrified, oh. but a seasoned terrorist. Um, he has a steel briefcase that he's gripping with the other hand. He asked the harried bartender for a, a drink. Either sitting nearby or in the background, let's try to fit in a couple members of the Oni mask wearing inner demon gang carousing and karaokeing in the background. Um, so, karaokeing, for, come on. That's, that's brilliant, um, David. That's and, lovely. That's that's what people do in a bar. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what's funny is um, originally Dave had actually thrown in some Taylor Swift lyrics on the screen. Uh, back there. <laughs> oh, amazing. Legal would, not, legal would not approve it. Um, oh, so really? I I wound up having to come up with my own song lyrics uh, for that. And it was an Easter egg that I hadn't even written. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's sort of like how I wind up kind of discussing uh, uh, all these things. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to focus on the action and what's going on there. And I kind of let the artists kind of populate the, the the setting based on that. But um, for me, I'm always trying to, and I'm always trying to improve on this as well, because I can always do better at like talking about reference art um, in a script. Um, and I tend to write fast, so I don't slow down to do that uh, very often. But I always try to talk about influences. And so um, particularly in this Punisher script, um, almost all of the issues, I wrote like a little one pager at the beginning, just being like, Dave, here's my plan for this. And here's kind of what I'm thinking. And here's the influences that I want to go for, um, you know, without spoiling too much, like issue three which we introduced the fear master um which is a a, a daredevil villain from like 1993 who only mm -hmm. showed up in two issues uh but they were the two issues that i read in 1993 as, <laughs> as a seven-year-old and i thought she was so cool and i was shocked that that was it yeah um and so like i had said i was like you know this i kind of want to have like a haunted house kind of feeling to it where like he is you know he's in a serial killer's lair right now um, and like, how is he going to, how's he going to deal with all this uh, and, and trying to get like the claustrophobia and, and then the move and all that. Um, it also, it just helps like Dave, Dave really is like, he, he really sifts that through the nuance and he adds in his own spin on things. And I think that that is the benefit of working with an artist who's really, he's put in the hours, you know, he's, he's been at this for almost 20 years and um, you can see that he, 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 he has a real nuanced touch with everything. And so um, it, it's nice to, I often talk a lot with my artists and, and, and so, especially in the layout stage, I'm often kind of shoring up being like, okay, well, like this is a cool moment you have here, but this moment is kind of getting a little squashed. Like, can we give this more room to breathe? If, you know, cut this other thing down. Mm -hmm. Dave, I don't do that. Um, Dave, he knows his best angles. He knows how to pace the thing. He knows just by reading it, like, okay, when I say this is the big moment, like he he's like, oh yeah, that is the big moment. Um, and if it's not the big moment, sometimes sometimes he'll break things up into extra panels. And I know that's more work for him, but he he knows that makes the story flow better. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, it it really is. Um, it it is. It's like having a, a great um, uh, tennis partner. You know, is that like Dave's got my back? I've got Dave's back. I'll make sure that like when the art comes in that I tailor the script, I do surgery on these scripts uh, more than I do any other. Uh, I've done almost any other book because I'm like, okay, Dave has made choices and they're all good choices. And I want to honor those choices. Um, and so it's been really wow. collaborative and, and wonderful. I would work with Dave on anything he asks anytime he wants, because he is just the, 
uh, an incredibly gifted and talented artist who uh, has worked hard to get where he is today. And uh, I would ride those coattails for as long as they'll let me. Okay. Not, not to jump to your next project. Is there a dream thing you might, you and Dave? Hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I, I would love to keep collecting those uh, infinity stones as far as Marvel characters are concerned. I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to write Dr. Strange someday. He's been my bucket list oh, guy for, for ages. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do more with Spider-Man. I got to write Peter Parker in a short uh, for Spider-Verse Unlimited uh, about a year ago. Um, that was so much fun. Um, Your really diehard liked... FF stuff was very good, too. Thank I love those. Fantastic Four yeah. was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would certainly write more with those characters, uh, for sure. I hear uh, that Brie Rock guy is going over to X-Men, just saying. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I truly can't speak to, 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 to anything uh, going over there. Um, you know, I know they're still kind of getting early ducks in a row, um, but you know, uh, for sure, you know, count me in. Um, you know, uh, I always say, uh, Krakoa got me through the pandemic. I, I love the X Men. I grew up, you know, as a big X Men Spider Man fan. Um, the Champions. I would love to write the Champions. Mm. Um, I, I, yes, I, I, bring them I, back. I want them. I, uh, Bring them back. Yes, I would love to do it. Joey uh, and I are both buying that one. <laughs> you know, I got, I got a, I got a fun concept for them that I think, uh, I, 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 you know, but honestly, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, it's funny. I mean, I honestly, I think like, uh, it took so long to kind of figure out like what's a good angle for a Punisher book. And now I kind of want to write it for a long time. So mm -hmm. if anything, now after that, um, you know, uh, I, I would really. I don't think there's any Marvel property at this point that I'd be scared of, um, mm. you know. Um, Lovely. Oh, I've got a Secret Avengers pitch that, like, mm, one of these ooh, days, ooh. Uh, bucket list. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, you know, um, it's, it's you know, it's all very TBD uh, 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 at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Marvel's been very good to me, and um, you know, I'm excited to keep working with them. And I do have a few other irons in the fire, um, you know, uh, with, with 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 other assorted projects and. Um, so yeah, 2024 is starting to pick up in a, in a, in a fun way. And I think, uh, as we get into the holidays and as we get into the new year, um, uh, things are going to get, uh, very busy, uh, in the best possible way. Congrats. All right. I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to give you yeah. the two goofy questions first ooh, ooh, I okay. hear, I and then hear. end with a more personal question for you. All right. Goof me up. All right. <laughs> Joe Garrison is baking a batch of cyanide cookies. Okay. <laughs> what flavor are the cookies and what's written on the front of his apron? Oh, man. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, he, he's making black and whites uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and he's got two different types of poison. So, you know, the black side is one type of poison and the white side is the other. Or maybe maybe the 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 white side is like cyanide and like the black side is like C4. I don't know. Um, uh, and uh, his his uh, his apron, um, you know, it's still got like, you know, it's got like the, the, the Punisher eyes are still glowing through it, which makes it funnier. But it says, <laughs> God bless this mess. Um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's 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 what joe's uh that's what joe's baking uh, that's it, so it, much better than what i had amazing uh, I, I, I mean i i i'm just thinking because i've watched too many like quincy episodes or whatever shouldn't he be baking yeah. almond cookies with those cyanide there you go he's making the almond cookies so you can, so you can, <laughs> you can but i think the thing is joe wants to be prepared and so that's why i think half of these are like 
plastique is that like, you know, Nick, some of these people are going to eat a cookie and they're just yeah. going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just to be sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Joe, Absolutely. Joe Garrison goes to a bar to have a drink and blow off a little steam. Mm-hmm. What drink does he order? And what's the first song he plays on the jukebox? Oh, man. Um, Water. No, no. <laughs> he, um, I think I am woman. No, no, now no, you know Hit what? Now with your best the show. No, he's 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 clearly he's gonna get a pina colada and he's gonna play the pina colada song. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you know, like, just when Joe's feeling yeah. vulnerable and wants to be in his feelings yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah. He spent uh, six months undercover in yeah. some island. Sometimes you just somewhere. need a little umbrella drink. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. It's one of those maybe scenes where a, like maybe it's a, a grizzly killing to the really like light and like fancy free music. Yeah, you know. It's it was just, in Margaritaville, but you know, yeah. what the heck? Just go for yeah, it. It's that yeah, deadpan exactly. delivery. You know, he goes uh, up yes, to the bar yes. and he says, What can I get you? And he goes, Pina Colada. Yeah. Give me a pina colada. <laughs> Um, I will Oswald, say that that, that sort of sense of humor is how we got Triple uh, A, which is his 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 microchip style sidekick, his his former handler at Shields. I had thought I knew we needed to give Joe a sidekick um, just to give him somebody to talk to, but also I thought it would be a core distinction that like Frank. Every time I saw him with microchip, like he was always kind of a dick, you know. Um, he's always rude to microchip, and that always actually kind of made me dislike Frank a little bit. Like I was like, why is he being so mean? This guy's helping you out. And I like the idea of microchip. Like she's really Joe's like last human connection. Like they do care for each other. Um, it's it, it like yeah, there's a little bit of an Alfred and Batman kind of thing going on in terms of their dynamic. But like Joe would do whatever it takes for to to, to help AAA and vice versa. Obviously, if she's engaging in this insane mission of his. So, um, but I, I came to it that I was thinking like, oh, I'd love to have Joe like you know staggering off somewhere like you know he's been all beat up in a, in a fight and. Um, and the bad guys, you know, the bad guys like, oh, what are you going to do now? And he's like, call AAA. And then like a drone shows up. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was, it, it, I had been thinking about it and I was like, oh, AAA, all right. Like, you know, arms and analysis. And um, it was my fiance who was like, don't you mean aiding and abetting? And I was like, oh, that's going Ooh. to the pool. Oh, that was so yeah. funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, uh, uh, but yeah, that is that is the 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 reason that I wanted to do that was to kind of just give some moments of humanity to somebody who otherwise can be uh, very very stoic. That's awesome, man. Perfect. All right, one more to close the show. You've been writing for Marvel for a while now, and I know that it's been a goal of yours for some time. You're a very goal oriented person. I am. How do you feel about the progress of your career? And do you have any new goals for the future? Damn. Yeah, that's Oof. a great question. Um, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I feel really good about how things have, have been going. Um, I'm very grateful to, for all the opportunities that, that Marvel's been giving me. And I, I'm really kind of always trying to work overtime to make sure I earn them, um, that I justify the, the faith in me. Um, yeah, you know, my goal is to keep doing what I'm doing, uh, maybe bigger. Um, you know, like I want to keep proving myself on, 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 on bigger and bigger characters, but also like, you know, there's something to be said for like, I really want to write another team book. Um, that is kind of like on, on, on the bucket list. I, this, between, uh, Moon Knight and Devil Wears My Face and Punisher, this has kind of been my, my dark gritty street level summer. Um, 
so I would love to write another team book. Um, and there is something to be said of, of course, like, I, you know, writing the A-listers, you know, I, I got to write the, you know, two two core Avengers teams plus the Guardians of the Galaxy in the pages of uh, Avengers Unlimited, which was amazing. But there's also something like, I would love to write another like team of misfits like Savage Avengers. Um, you know, I miss those guys. I would have written that series for a hundred issues if the market would sustain it. Um, so yeah, I think just, um, you know, I want to be a 30 year man in this business. Uh, I think I'm in year seven right now. Um, so I, I think uh, if anything, I'm very pleased with my progression, particularly at Marvel. They've been really kind of, uh, uh believing me in me in some big ways. And, um, I'm hoping to just keep doing what I'm doing over there. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, just, uh, We're behind this is the dream job. I want to, I want to stay in it. I really dig your sincerity. That is one of my favorite things about talking to you. Every time that you're on here, you are without a doubt, one of our, one of our best guests. I just, I love listening to you talk about the stuff. You have such passion for everything that you do. And it's. It's so funny. I, you know, I, I should, I shouldn't comment on this stuff, but uh, of course, like I'm human and, and like, you know, I have Google alerts for my name just to help do publicity, you know, for my own work. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing there's, there's some dude on 4chan who, um, of course, 4chan, like, of course. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but there's some guy who was like, oh, like, you know, besides calling me like slurs, uh, you know, he, he was saying like, oh, Pepos, he, you know, I think he's just in this to make movies. And I just, I laughed. I laughed when I read it because I was just like, boy, this guy, like, if he only knew, like, my poor fiance has to, like, get me to stop talking about, like, the clone saga. Um, like, I, <laughs> I live and breathe comics. Like, I I left a Hollywood track to pursue comics. Like, this is the dream job. Uh, any, you know, Hollywood interest, you know, that's that's gravy, baby. Like, I, uh, this is the dream job. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I consider myself very fortunate and privileged to be here. And I, I owe it to a real contingent of uh, readers and retailers and fans and press and editors um, and convention uh, organizers and so many more um, who have all kind of come together and championed me every step of the way. And I, I, I don't forget it. Um, if anything, that's what gets me up in the morning uh, and gets me writing. And so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to be worthy of it. So Humble as ever. Thank you. Awesome. All right, David, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you when the next issue of Punisher is coming out? And uh, and then we're going to go and talk about the Marvels. Sure. Um, So I am uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook. Or sorry, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Pepos D. Uh, David Pepos Comics on Facebook. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Or um, you can uh, visit my website at davidpepos.com. And uh, yeah, I have not seen Captain Marvel yet. You asked about Captain Marvel? Um, yes. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I am actually uh, going to go uh, later tonight and see that. So uh, I'm very excited. Uh, yes. I got to write Carol a few times. She's a fun character. And um yeah, uh, Punisher 2 comes out December 13th. Devil Wears My Face, number two, and Moon Knight City of the Dead, number five, come out on November 22nd. And um, I will be in the Denver area, actually, on on Saturday the 18th. Uh, I will be signing at I Want More Comics in Thornton, Colorado, uh, from noon to four. So, going on by. Fantastic, man. Uh, Does anybody want to say anything to Dave before we get out of here? I'm just so proud. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Right. We've been lucky enough to see people really, really early and 
have them blossom. You guys have been there since the first book, since Spencer and, and I. Yeah, and it yeah. is, we, we, it, God's honor, man, going to the chapel. Yeah. But we had, we had, we had nothing to do with anything, but we are really proud. That we I, can look, see people who, who earned all the accolades and all the success. And David, you're, you're that guy. I appreciate it. Listen, let me tell you, I can't tell you how many people will come up to me at a con and be like, oh, I heard you talk on a podcast. And I'm like, oh, what podcast? And they're like, oh, talking comics. Oh, <laughs> oh. So, star makers. Yeah, star uh, makers. I, I, <laughs> you, know? I, I, you know, that, that, that is, uh, that is, that is, okay. it, 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 you, you guys have certainly helped. And I can tell you the people who are listening to this podcast and thank you for everyone who's listening to me ramble on the podcast. Um, you know, you guys are really, you guys are cultivating the next true believers. And so um, you, you, you guys are, are, are really doing the Lord's work as far as uh, the comics industry is concerned. So <laughs> I will keep coming back as long as you'll have me. Um, but I really oh, do man. appreciate this. I bet you say I that think... to all the podcasts. No. <laughs> I think we had David on like three times for going to the chapel. It was like before the yeah. book, and then the book came out, and then like when the, the trade came out, we had him on three yeah. times. Yeah, we had a we pr- we pushed that book hard. Uh, but no, I, I really appreciate all the support, fellas. And 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 uh, always I I will be I will happily jump on anytime. Um, we can, you know, I can even jump on, uh, you know, a little later, uh, you know, when, uh, devil wears my face really keeps kicking off. Cause that cool. is a fun one. Face off meets the exorcist. Can't wait to tell everybody more about that. Wow. Um, there's a pitch, <laughs> but, uh, yes. Thank you guys for having me. It really means the world. Yeah, man. All right. Hang out with us here. We're going to end, uh, this segment for now, but, uh, David, just hang out and we'll, yeah. we'll do our goodbyes off air. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Right on. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back Uh, once again. I want to thank David Pepos for carving out some time for us and coming onto the show to talk about The Punisher. uh, Stupendous first issue of the series. We really look forward to reading the rest and finding out what the future is for Joe Garrison's Punisher. Moving on to another main event for this very packed episode we have our review for nia da costas and marvel studios the marvels just came out this past weekend essentially a sequel to captain marvel the original and now we're bringing monica rambeau and kamala khan into the mix there are forkins shenanigans and all kinds of good stuff happening in this movie uh i don't know how much we have to say about the plot. I think we'll get into that as we go around the room and give our opinions of it. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I, okay. I've never used the word adorable to describe a Marvel movie. That's the movie. That's the word that I keep coming back to when I think of the Marvels, whether it's goose or Kamala's fangirling out for uh, partnering up with Captain Marvel and Captain Rambeau. Adorable, through and through. Uh, I also have Forkins on this list. I saw this movie in a not-so-crowded theater, which was a little uh, disheartening to see. But to make things better, there was a nine-person party a little girl was having her birthday party at the theater and they were in the little room eating their pizza and i saw their little plates and they had captain marvel plates and cups and you know all kinds of superhero stuff on the table and sure enough 
just as the the coming attractions were happening, they filed in with the parents. And so it's the parents and these nine little girls all jazzed up for the Marvels. And oh my God, you throughout the whole movie, you would have thought that they were riding a, a Captain Marvel themed roller coaster. Aww. They were having so much fun. And it did my heart so good because I was sitting there and I was going, you know what? As much as I know that I'm going to enjoy this, this is not for me. This is for them. Yeah. Like this is so yeah. important for them to, you know, experience this, enjoy this, make a memory with their friends. You know, you go to a lot of birthday parties. You're going to remember this when you see these types of heroes up on the big screen doing their thing. Um, As far as the movie itself, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was very sincere. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very confident. Um, I was a little surprised by who I think led this movie and that it's a shared film between these three characters, but it is essentially supposed to be a Captain Marvel movie. Um, Captain Marvel at times felt a little bit like a third wheel to me in that Kamala and Monica just made such a big impression on me that um, I felt like Captain Marvel got a little lost. I think that might not be the case when I watch it again at home, once it's on Disney plus or once we, we own it on Blu-ray or whatever. Um, I have a difficult time absorbing all of a movie and like coming to a final verdict or whatever, after just one viewing, I'm so busy enjoying myself and smiling and laughing and waiting for the next bit to come along that I, I sometimes miss some of the the nuance of these things. Um, I'll just say it. I loved the sing song planet. So, so, so much. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a musical number in the middle of this that I had a lot of fun with. Uh, last two things I'll say, or man, you know what? I'll keep it to one Nick Fury. I thought was outstanding in this. It was nice to see him be a little bit more laid back, cracking some jokes, making some fun moves, uh, organizing people as they're in crisis. And I just thought that he was a blast and it was kind of a different tone for him. And I like that he's so comfortable when it comes to Captain Marvel that he's able to cut loose a little bit uh, around her and the people working around her. And Kabbalah's family also was fantastic to see them up on the big screen. Uh, and I love that family so much. <laughs> I I really hope they do more with Kamala in the future and that they keep the family around because I really enjoy them. Like I would love a Ms. Marvel season two, but if for any reason they don't end up doing that, I would hate to see that character. I would love for that character to be a part of the universe going forward. And I believe that's going to be the case, but I would hate to lose the family in just making her a part of the bigger movies, you know, but perhaps they can fit them into something that was teased toward the end of this one. Yeah. I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa into whoa. this one. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, Bob, why don't you go <laughs> ahead here? Well, you said adorable, my word, and it was the night I saw it with a uh, friend of the pod, Professor Dr. Eisner Wardwinner, Carolyn Coca. My word was delightful. Yes. It is the most sheer fun I've had at a Marvel movie in a long time. But mm -hmm. still, we had depth of characterization. We had big consequences. 
we need accountability for for collateral damage, and that's something we don't see a lot in superhero movies, just in general. Um, and part of that is, look, you hire indie directors, and then you get real characterizations on the screen. You get it's about family, and whether that was John Favreau or or Bowden and Fleck and Captain Marvel, you had all this stuff going on. Uh, look, I laughed and cried a lot on both sides of it. And Carolyn, I, I said to her, yeah, I cried. She went, yeah, yeah, I heard you. Okay. <laughs> uh, we had, we, I, I love the tone, the visual style of all this, the split screens with, with our three characters. And in those characters, we had great chemistry among those leads. And each interaction was slightly different and all interesting. Uh, very lean storytelling, I thought, almost old-fashioned genre filmmaking in that. Yep. We got we got scene to scene, place to place, without an info dump telling me how we got there. I'm really happy about that. That's something we don't see much anymore. Um, now, related to that, I've seen some reviews that said, oh, you have to have watched everything in the Marvel movies and TV shows to get something out of the Marvels. Look, we have Kamala's sort of animated stuff that, that did a great job introducing her. The scroll torture device was a really economical way to bring the audience up to speed and brought us some new and very deep things, which we'll talk about in the spoilers, and some of those moments are really emotional. If I have a quibble, a couple of quibbles, I guess, I found the score rather pedestrian coming Don't. off of... Uh, Peter Toprock's Captain Marvel. Don't even get me started, no? Bob. Don't even get me started, Bob. Uh, okay. That's my one note. I was like, where is my Peter <laughs> Toprock score? Where is yeah, it? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and then I was like, having people sit through 10 minutes of credits for a meow. Hey now. In the same in the same way, in the same way we had had to watch and listen for Tony hammering on his armor. Not cool. Well, Although, you don't have to wait, but also it's respectful to watch the credits. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'll we say also this. Have, uh, uh, considering some of some who was in the credits, we did have a pre-mid post-credit scene that kind of makes up for it. I'll just go with that. I love this movie. I've already seen it three times. I'll just I, say that. I'm not putting this on anyone, but I will say that the, the Talking Comics chat influenced me to not stay for the meow when we were there, because I was like, I could watch that on Disney Plus, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If we Sorry, had stayed me. for the meow, we would not have been on the road when we were and gotten oh. into that car accident. Oh, oh what's, what, what's that movie, Sliding Doors? With Sliding the... Doors, oh. you're Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. That's right. Goop. Yeah. My car got Gwyneth, Gwyneth no. Paltrow. <laughs> Bob, I uh, absolutely agree with you. I, I think that I uh, my my first comment, and I was like, the first thing I'm going to say on Talking Comics this week is, where was my Peter Toprock score? <laughs> because <laughs> I just love that score to that first movie so much. I talked about it last week on the show, um, and I, I I agree. I think that that the score and the needle drops and things like that um, were were I think probably the least memorable part of this film with the exception of one needle drop that seeing it my second showing on Thursday with my group of friends who are all in the theater um in oh, the musical one, theater okay. there's yeah, a okay. there's a needle drop that we will talk about in the spoiler <laughs> yes, section we will. that yes, we will. 
erupted erupted um yeah. uh applause there but anyway i agree with with steve and and bob i think your sentiments um are are in line with mine i i had so much fun with this and it was good i really loved the 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 characters i think steve i'm with you it's not captain marvel 2 you know it's 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 the marvels it's it's yeah. following up on kamala's journey first and foremost it's introducing monica into this larger universe and it's it's carrying carol forward in a way that is meaningful to that character and helps explain some of her kind of absence from the mcu proper right yeah. i um, want to be clear way, like that's not a negative for me no, what i said no, earlier no, yeah no i i agree but i but i agree with you i think that like i too was like oh this is not captain marvel 2 which like i should have known when it wasn't captain marvel 2 you know what i mean (laughs) i just found that when we were talking about the movie afterward every part that i was bringing up revolved around either kamala or monica yeah which i don't think is i think that's great i think it's great i love brie larson i've loved her for a very long time and and we talked about room we talked about spectacular now she's just short uh, term 12 12, glass castle like she's just a, a free fire Big free fire, Love free fire. Um, but she's just such a great, interesting, diverse, dynamic actress. But you know, I think that the Kamala Khan is going to be, and Iman Vellani is going to be the character that comes out of this movie as the one that people are going to want more of. Um, in a way that I think is really great for the character. We said this after the TV show too like and the game and the marvel avengers game rest in peace (laughs) you know um that i think that the fact that this character that we've loved for a decade is now going to be the 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 character that people talk about as the main takeaway from this film i think is incredible um it's fun it's great and it's so funny because i said these things to people that asked me like oh what do you think of the marvels and i said it's so much fun i had a great time you know, and it's it's like short and sweet and you get in and get out under two hours of the story that like mattered and you just find really enjoyable. And they were like, those are things people say when they didn't really like it, but they want to say nice things about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Rob, I told Rob you it was dead. fun yeah. and great yes. and, and, and like engaging. Like, but I think it's part of this thing about like sincerity is out. People want these like three hour dark Fantastic. satire. Yeah. Like, but yes. And I'm like, that's like, to be clear, you're getting here what we get every Wednesday when we pick up Avengers and we pick up Captain Marvel and we pick up uh-huh. these comic books. These like this is the most comic booky that 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 this MCU franchise. This is the, let me reframe that. This is the most successful the MCU franchise has been at capturing the spirit of the comics since Phase One. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And look, I think that there's a ton of reasons why the 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 houses have not been full this past weekend um and i think all of those reasons are outside of the movie the itself. very real fact that this movie is great you know what i mean yeah yeah um and it's a real bummer that that because of the strike because of disney plus and streaming because of a lack of advertising or poor advertising that you know that this wasn't packed every day every showing but here's the reality of it and this is the thing that like my comment about going back to the mcu's roots a little bit you know there was momentum going into 
Infinity War, Endgame, Captain Marvel, Black Panther that pushed those movies to make over half a million dollars, over over half a billion dollars in its opening weekend. There have been long stretches of time now between these films and the pandemic and the strike and everything is just stretching things out. All of that momentum is gone. And also, I said this last week or two weeks ago, the pandemic, I don't think the box office is ever going to get back to those billion-dollar movies, ever. I think the move to streaming is the biggest factor for why the Marvels, even in its success this past weekend, is still being perceived the way that it is. I think that all of the analytics that I've seen, and this will be my last point, all the analytics that I've seen have pointed out that the realities of streaming is the bigger impact on box office returns all season than actual reviews or advertising or anything like that, you know? Quality Um, of the film itself, absolutely. Yeah, and I go back to Tom Cruise opening Mission Impossible this summer didn't also was perceived as, you know, underperforming. Mm -hmm. And I think that the analysts and the critics and everything and the internet, I'm really, I've really grown tired of it. And David actually talked a little bit about this in the interview too, that like the way that social media and news media and the dirt sheets, if you will, talk about success of box office and success of films. They frame I, I it in a much yes, crazy way. Yes, I, yes, yes. I, and I, I think the way it's framed is 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 disingenuous to the reviews that I've been seeing, which have been like, this is a return to form in a lot of ways. And I think that especially after Secret Invasion and Quantumania, which were just dismal, <laughs> like to watch yeah. and endure, um, I, I think that the Marvels is a return to a sincere bright vibrant mcu that points us to a future you know what i mean that that i think is really exciting so i loved it i really did i saw it twice my neighborhood is in the film i think it's obviously b-roll and like comped in but when 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 a character flies up out of jersey city and you look down that's my neighborhood like no straight up my neighborhood of jersey city is is what, what it is um which brings me back to steve as i've been saying since you visited Kamala Khan's house is supposed to be in my neighborhood, but it does not look like my neighborhood when she's walking <laughs> on the streets. But anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there. I have a question about housing, but before we do that, Aaron, you want to get in here? <laughs> oh, I was just like, where is this going? Um, the real estate market affecting the MCU. Don't even um, get me started on Jersey City real estate market. It's got something to do with the end of the movie, so I don't want to get there yet. Yeah. So first, well, I'm going to give my my. I'm going to respond to something that Joey said. Then, but first, I'm going to give my take. So I thought this movie was exactly what it should have been, um, from beginning to end. I think it eliminates a lot of the bloat that when that sometimes directors put in when they want to create an epic film that touches all these things or whatever, or they want to, I'm just going to be very upfront where they want to see if there's a possibility of putting an Oscars worthy scene in there or Mm -hmm. whatever. They, They think they're trying to drill down into something more than what this is. And they oftentimes sacrifice the actual joy and fun of the movie. This movie did not do that. This movie gave you from 
opening scene all the way through a very well-paced distribution of just exciting, heart-pounding movies and removed all the scenes that you would usually say, okay, this is a point where I can go pee, you know, because it just didn't have enough of a break in there to even give you the opportunity or even give you the desire to even think about taking your focus off the film. I think the characterizations were great. I think this answered a lot of questions that people were probably that I was was sort of hoping would hang out there in the would would had been hanging out there in the background that I hoped to get resolved. The Monica uh Carol situation, the the Carol uh Kamala situation, that sort of fangirl, you know, hero relationship where they all sit in the the bigger universe of things. I agree that this was probably my favorite incarnation of Nick Fury. I think that one, the I, I, I laughed out loud when I heard him scream, not my good eye. I really did. Yeah, I yeah. Just, like just laughed out loud. <laughs> in the theater because I just thought that was a hysterical. And I don't know if everyone's heard it, but it just sort of made me just like crack up because I, and I, I liked the, you know, maybe this is a juxtaposition of that series that we all watched over the summer that we don't really want to talk about, but I think they brought the fun back to Nick Fury here. Now, granted, I don't know the order in which things were filmed, but they brought the fun back to Nick Fury. They bought his swag back and that this, this level of confidence that exists when that makes you feel comfortable that the situation is going to be dealt with because Fury just doesn't get, you know, rattled. Um, and he doesn't seem, it doesn't seem, it didn't seem like at any point through the movie that anyone sort of had the upper hand on him or anything had the upper hand on him, which I loved. It was sort of like safety points in the film. I think the, the, the emotional tone of it was good, but it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't trying to be too schlocky, but it was paying homage to the relationships between all three of them. The family parts were good. Um, I am happy. I know this is going to sound weird. I don't mean it the way it's probably going to sound. I'm happy that they, t- they toned down the mother character a little bit in the sense, and hear, me, hear me out, in the sense I liked that it was more aligned with her being supportive of, you know, of Kamala and her efforts to be a superhero, because I felt like that was the one incongruence in the series, in the book. Um, so I I liked that they they narrowed that that difference, um, and that she is there, even though she's. It was clear that her her anger or her anxiety or all those things were about her fearing for her, her daughter as opposed to on just a going space to be mission. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to her just being a wagging finger mother, who's mm-hmm. just like you go to your room, blah, blah, blah. So I really like that uh, part of it. Um, I'm going to say this <laughs> controversial hot take. I like this incarnation of a family dynamic better than I did the Blue Beetle ca- incarnation of a family dynamic. I just felt I like there dis- was something... I don't, disagree. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I I don't think the Blue Beetle version was bad. I just think this one had a better... It just seemed more genuine. And it yeah. just seemed more balanced. Um, and it was playing in equal parts of all of the emotions. Um, 
But again, you didn't get an opportunity. This movie didn't give you an opportunity for your mind to wander or for you for you to lose focus because it gave you everything you were looking to get along the way. Um, and I think it showed the Mar- the MCU. And I kind of think the last Guardians of the Galaxy kind of did this as well. I think it showed the powers that be at the MCU stop overcomplicating things because you want to create the next, you know, infinity saga. Yeah. Simplify, simplify and start, go back to what you were doing with Iron Man, start simple and then work your way back into a space. But then the second thing I was going to say is there are $3 billion movies that came out this past this year. So I think, I don't know if I believe that the billion dollar movie thing is dead I just think that the people with the ideas that will make a billion dollar movie are <laughs> I just think that they're not they're Talk not about cranking Barbie? them out. They're not, I'm just not they're not cranking them out. Far behind Super, them. Super Mario Brothers was over a million dollars, billion dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I forgot about Super Mario Brothers. But yeah, but but again, those were also summer movies too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just I again I, I think that the narrative like it was hard because like it was it was a week ago before the movie even came out people were like this movie's not gonna make any money sucks to suck and it was, I was just longer like, than that it was it was longer than I, that. it was weeks and ago. like stephen yeah. king of all people got on the x <laughs> yes. and was like why are we gloating about this and i was like because that's what like that's what people this has do. become about you know what i mean and and here's the last thing i'll say and then steve maybe you want to cut to 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 spoilers but like the blue beetle thing I think it's a great parallel. It's a movie that was small in its attention to these characters and their relationships and big in the sense of it's a superhero movie and it's going to honor those features Mm -hmm. of, of the, of, of the genre. Right. And I think Marvel's does a lot of the same work. I think that the Marvel's has the benefit that the MCU, Marvel studios, Disney, for all of the griping and gloating and all of that that happens online, I think they do have, for the most part, a commitment to their plan and their characters. Whereas when Blue Beetle struggled the way that it did over the summer, I think all of us were like, oh man, I really hope they keep this character around. I really yeah. hope. Because, gonna... because that studio, as we know, is much more willing to, I don't know, never release a Batgirl oh. movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you know what I mean? So, so for all of the kind of hand wringing that, that I see online, I'm like, at the end of the day, I think what Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios is seeing is a really positive response and a rejuvenation of trust in the franchise. Um, not necessarily in the idea of like wherever they're going with this multiverse saga thing, but at the very least, the trust that the studio can still tell character driven right stories uh-huh. that I think uh, resonate with little girls having their pizza party birthdays. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's why so we're then, here. Am I right? So then I'm going to say yeah. the thing that worries me. It worries me. The parent, the connection that's, that's existing in the, I want the, the conversation of a woman directed, a, a movie directed by a black woman uh 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 written by women written by women, women starring yeah. women all tanking oh yeah quote unquote it is it is unquote. the it is the most i i just i hate the narrative I, I i think it's such a it's so dismissive of something that is really impressive nita costa the youngest 
mm-hmm. director, the the director of color, a woman director who like just a, who is I, I I think and this is what I was talking about with a couple of my friends, the most exciting director that that has come uh-huh. into to the MCU in a long time, yeah. right? Like I she's this is her third feature, I think. Little Woods, Candyman, Candyman, this. And this, yeah. And now she's doing Head of Gobbler. She is the oh, most. Ibsen. Like, Come on, dy- you're doing some like, Ibsen. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah. is the most dynamic opening career I've seen. She's not being pigeonholed into genres. She she told the tightest, like most forward uh-huh. driving film that we've gotten since since Phase One, since Thor, and since Iron Man. And, right? This uh, like this yeah. is the movie. You know what I mean? And this is the narrative that we that we latch on to. You know what I mean? Those Marvels is rotten. Tomatoes oh, things headlines were ready to go, and then oh, yeah, three, hours later, three hours later, it was like actually never mind. It's now fresh, and it's like because you were ready, you were ready. You know what I mean? And it's just like that's the thing. To your point, Aaron is like that's the most frustrating thing about yep about the the conversation. You know, I'd be interested to see what the drop is week one to week two. I think this has more legs than most because. Everyone I've spoken to who's seen it has enjoyed it. I've already, again, I've already gone multiple times. I will go again because I had a great time. And I'm sorry if you want to dismiss this, the, the, those people, we won't even say who some of them are ahead of time, but critics and critics too, who have decided that they built up the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now we can tear it down because it's time. It's time to move on to something else. Yeah. They're not reviewing the movie in front of them. But what else is there to move on to? There is nothing else to move on well, to. Well, there's the, there's that there's that take two. What's next? There we, is nothing anyway, else. We're not bringing back the 90s of indie movies of uh, and, Kevin Smith and early yeah. Tarantino. Well, that's, the so that's what I was going to say. That's, that's the thing. There are no more. Everything now is going to. There are no more quiet little really good films. And I've said this before as an example. You will never have an era where you can release a movie like Tootsie and have it be a huge box office, you know, yeah. thing. No, because, because the cinema market not is not shaped what that it was. way anymore. Correct. No, that would it's be, a, net, that that would be a Netflix or a streamer. Absolutely. Yes. All those things that were Mr. Mom and you know, and weird, you know, little things that were huge, huge hits. Yeah. You know, in the 90s, the 80s and 90s and beyond, because they were just good stories, you won't, you have to have a hook now. And the story is no longer the hook. So without that, and also because of how the entire universe of movie making has been shaped by this desire to have an ongoing story or something that is epic, what else is there? What What's next? Not say that there should be. There always should be something. But what is next? There, there's, there's nothing that anyone can look to because they're not even trying. Because what are we? What, what am I seeing coming across my screen every freaking day? Another freaking Hunger Games movie. So it's like you're, you're <laughs> not even that which, far out. By the you're, way, you're going is, back to what. Which, you by the before. way, is three hours long. Um, yeah. But now here's a movie that managed to be a hybrid of both those things. It's still part of this most successful franchise of movies of of all history. And yet it's still about people. And we, if you're invested in these characters, as you should be based on the script and the performances, which are all excellent, 
this is a little movie that happens to be about space and superheroes. Mm-hmm. But it's the person behind the costumes. It's when those three women are standing there in their sweats, just chatting and share, that sharing a hug. The, the best training montage in movie yeah. history. Yeah. Double touch and juggling? Come on. Yeah, Come we on. didn't even talk about this. I don't know. I don't know, Steve, if we're in spoilers yet. Spoilers. But... Let's go spoilers. All right, listen, I everybody. Spoilers and give an overview. Three, two, one. You're in spoiler but, town. Wait, now. this isn't really yeah. a spoiler. But anyway, like the, the, the thing that makes Nia DaCosta great is the power changing scenes. That direction, yes. those action sequences, amazing. Like, just like, the first one happened in the spaceship and then the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, that first, like, cause in the, in the trailer, you kind of saw it, but I was like confused. And I was like, that can't happen a lot in this movie. There's no Do you way. Remember when we were uh, podcasting and I was reacting to a clip and you were like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to know. I don't, I yeah. haven't seen anything. <laughs> yeah. I was watching that scene of that fight in the house. Yeah. And it's like that power changing stuff. That's the choreography of that. It's the it's the second second unit director. It's Nia DaCosta. Mm-hmm. That training montage, the, the use editor, of all of that, yeah. it was so fun and cool, and the audience ate it up. And I'm like, this is why we're here, you know? Like, it's it's really it's yeah, really special. In, in my audience, all three times. I mean, the the, the crowd got bigger as I went between Thursday yes. and then Dang. Friday and and Sunday. Absolutely, it was really agree. busy Sunday. I saw it twice and as with well, yeah. and. and more family groups as we went. There were tons of kids on Sunday and laughing and screaming at those sequences and you could hear the sniffling here and there. They were engaging. It's just, and that's an old-fashioned kind of word, but okay, I was invested and you want to see what would happen next. I think it's because Nia DaCosta, and we've said this about a few kind of up-and-coming directors the last few years, She's a student of the game. She knows yeah. how to make movies because she loves movies. And I think that comes out here. All of her movies are under two hours, first of all. Right? Yes. Little yeah. Woods is this like neo-noir crime thriller about like this these two like, ad- like adopted sisters who like try to smuggle drugs across the Canadian border. Yeah. And then she goes and makes the Candyman. <laughs> and then she goes yes. and makes the Marbles. So it's like she knows how to tell stories. And she knows what audiences want. And she's like, and she said, like a friend of mine was like, oh, I wish it was longer. And I was like, of course I wish it was longer. I could stay with these three characters yeah. for six yeah. hours if you asked me to. Well, like, but when also, I get the Blu-ray and watch the deleted scenes, yeah. I was happier to walk out wanting more. But also Nia DaCosta is like, no, I wanted to tell a movie that was under two hours because audiences mm-hmm. want to sit for two hours and watch a fun movie. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, oh yeah, that's why we're here sometimes. And when I said that to people, they were like, oh, people just say it's fun if they didn't really like it, but they want to say something nice. Oh. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, do you say go to the movies and have fun anymore? No. I will say when we got to, I, I did have the experience of, even though I had seen it, this was the second time I viewed it, when we got to the scene where they all show up on her ship, like what what, what essentially ended up being like the, the climactic scene. Yeah. I was just like, wait a second, wait. We're here already? Wait. We're here already. How did I get here? Wait. I was like, I thought there was like two scenes or something left between before this. Yeah. 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 It was so fun. Um, I think Darben, a friend of mine was saying that like what made this movie kind of feel like a throwback to the MCU first phase 
was that it was driven by the villain. Darben had this thing that she wanted. Kind and, of a and, reasonable thing when you and in, you, and in seeking it, it out and in seeking it out yep. brings our heroes together. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh yeah, that's how this Loki used to go. You know what go. I mean? Yeah. And and like that's fun. And I I really liked our band Zawi Ashton. I thought was like so, like, and I mean this in the best way. So ratchet. Like she was just like a friend of mine was yeah. like, oh man, she needed some chapstick. Like she was like, Chap- there's no the air. Bad weave. Yeah, yeah the she, bad she was weave. like, she goes, <laughs> my teeth, friend goes, the teeth. my friend goes, yeah, you know what? If my planet had no air and no water, I would be just as ashy. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and she and she was yeah. mad about it. And you know what? That that's the justification. And I'm like, you're right. She All like right, she had I'm... the grill too, and she was just like holding her teeth together. And I was like, this girl just wants. A cup of water, you know. <laughs> so I, I I am gonna shade Nia on one thing, just one thing, and it revolves around Monica. Black girl hair don't work that way, and you know that. Okay. <laughs> when she fell First in the water. First of all, when she <laughs> fell in the water and she came up with that big sideshow Bob Fro, <laughs> I was just like, Yes, that's realism. And then two seconds later in the ship, her hair is tight. And her lip gloss was popping. And she had a smoky eye. I was like, when did she do a makeup change after she just fell into the yeah, <laughs> into yeah, the water? Yeah. I love talking about Nick Fury being um being laid back. I think this must happen before Secret Invasion. Because I don't know. But anyway, I would have watched 12 episodes of this Nick Fury. Of this Nick Fury. Invasion. The moment well, he's when, having a gunfight strong. Wrong theory. Yeah. First of all, it. when he when he motivates uh Monica to fly and she's and, yeah. and he squeezes Use your core. Use your core. <laughs> and he, and she's like, and then and then like as as Kamala is falling, and like that was crazy. That's when you can see my neighborhood when they're falling and you and you look down. And then and then they switch at the last minute and Carol hits the ground and he goes, I don't mind, it's just Carol. I <laughs> lost my lost mind. It. Lost it. Lost it in that moment. But it's like I, I think, touched it. Why did you I, do that? <laughs> Don't yeah. touch mysterious stuff. But that was yeah. also fun too, seeing Bree and as Carol loosen up too in yeah. those moments. Because I think I'm that catching Carol, negative vibes here. There's negative yeah, vibes here. I think Carol, like being the hard ass, I think is part of her character. But even in the comics too, the moments when she gets to loosen up a little, like in the comics when she's like with Rhodey or with Jess, you know, yeah. you had that here when she was with Nick. And I think, the, sorry, Fury. I love how yeah, Kamala's yeah, yeah. mom says, Nicholas told us. And I was just like, this, it's it's so perfect. So perfect. And your cat's the, pudgy too. Yeah. The flurkin memory oh from cats, memories yes. from cats, my friends who are all musical theater people lost their minds because it was the same group in the same theater that we endured cats Cats. <laughs> right before the pandemic we all went and watched it together the movie slightly i'll wow. say slightly under the influence and Fools. it was it was the worst experience of our life so to have that kind of full circle redemption catharsis moment of the flurkins yeah. and memory playing <laughs> was a really redeeming quality here <laughs> i lost my mind for the flurkin army i'm yeah. glad that i'm glad that it was for all intents and purposes, kind of a gag to help save everyone and not like, oh, to defeat Darben, we need the Flurkin army, the you know? Yes. Cause I think that would have been a little, a little too outrageous. Yeah, and, that, and that was kind of, that was kind of in the trailer too. It, yeah. You got that sort of feeling, but you, you're talking about Carol and it, those other moments too, where, okay, she, 
does punch first. She does all those things, and and she's not perfect, she, you know. But but here she, we get that mea culpa. Yeah. I thought if I could fix things, I could come home. Yeah. I didn't want you to see that side of me. Yeah. And there's that moment where she and Monica, well, you know, that's not how family works. I it's just so... wanted my, I just wanted and my that... aunt. Oh, but that, what that also did in my head was go back and answer the question that Rhodey asked her, you know, during Endgame, like, where were you Ooh. when all this was happening? And her response, there are a lot of other planets out there that and don't have Avengers. Have they didn't yeah. have you. Um, and, and so, it, it's, but it's, it's like this is what it, she was doing. Yeah, she was trying it gives to you another make context. Up, yeah, yeah, part of why the, all those other planets were struggling is because of these actions that she took, justified though they may have been to just to depose the despot, you know, of the supreme intelligence. Yeah, it set down a chain of events that she was responsible for, or that she felt responsible yeah. for. And that's the thing that, like, I just don't. I mean, I I know why because these people are assholes, but like. And it's the same argument about Superman. It's like, oh, they're just too perfect. They're too overpowered, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I no, like, it's, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't mean it that way. But like, <laughs> Carol is imperfect in her, her brazenness and her brashness and her, her, it is her, it is her all powerful kind of power set that makes her punch first and it I, gets I her can, in trouble. I, you know? I can do this with the ship on her way before Kamala puts yeah. her through the jump point. And the 16 year old has to be like, no, you need to stop yeah. because I'm here and I don't want to freaking die. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. Um, I love the musical planet. Of course. So fun. Um, love that that made the cut. I had concerns that I wasn't going to get there. No, I was. We had, yeah. We had so many I highlights was glad in there. it didn't go too long because I was just like, hmm, this could, my friend, it's even my friend, friend it. to annoy. My friend it's was like, like okay, she's saying that weird. Why is she talking so weird about this yeah. sort of yeah. stuff? We get the dress. We get Kamala doing the Batusi, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. The 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 singing intro of the Marvels and and, and Monica. Go, uh, how did that become a thing? <laughs> Aaron, my it's friend goes like they do the dance. She turns into the princess, and then she's doing the dance. And my friend leans over and she goes, "This movie's an hour, only an hour and forty five minutes. We got to get off this damn planet." And I'm yeah. like, "I know, I know, I know, I know. Trust yeah. me, we'll, we'll get off of it sooner than you think." Well, he's bilingual, so they can. Very, <laughs> very fun, very fun. I really was just like, "Ooh, this could, this could be the the point where the movie jumps the shark." But no, okay. There we go. Yeah. It's it, we <laughs> all yeah. wrap that up. I love yeah. that she was just like, "All right, we need to talk." I was like, "Okay, thank you." I love, <laughs> I love the explanation of the jump points and how the bangles fit into that. And I just think yeah. it's like the movie actually does for a movie that is relatively self-contained and fun and enjoyable, and and you can really honestly watch it without all of the context. I think it definitely supplements it, but it actually does a lot for the universe in terms yeah. of explaining the, the jump points, explaining the bangles, explaining Kamala's relationship to the others. And then of course the ending and where it, it pushes us um, into the world of Warcraft with the CGI and <laughs> the, in the mid post credit scene. Um, <gasps> uh, but exciting nonetheless. So question. Because this was something I was wondering about. Because I didn't go back and do the whole Ms. Marvel rewatch. I do remember at the end where her incredibly over-intelligent high school friend, who was apparently able to do genetic testing and identify mutant anomalies. Oh, um, yeah, Bruna. Um, 
that's that's where they identify that her powers don't come from the bangle, but the powers on the bangles unlocked her power. Correct. All right, because I was wondering if they were going to do that. Because when they took the bangle, because when Nick Fury was like, "Okay, do you think maybe you want to leave that bangle here?" I was just like, but first I had to either catch myself. I was like, wait, why would she do that? That she'd be just a regular 17-year-old girl going out into space. But I was like, oh, no, 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 wait. Okay. The bangle activated the powers inside of her. Yeah. yeah, So now she's like, the bangle is kind of just ornamental now is from from that perspective. I love seeing Monica get her big hero moment. Um, Yes. But like, this is the thing. Like, that's how you do the ending of this movie, the multiversal movie, and have the stakes matter. Unlike the Quantumania, where it was just like, never mind, we'll we'll Nothing. we'll, we'll not hang out and, and we'll go home, you know? Because but- and and Monica gets her moment with her mother, quote unquote, in the mid credit scene, and oh. and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my god, like Tayona Paris is great. <laughs> like she mm-hmm. spends so much of the movie just kind of like being the scientific banter voice, you know. And then you see her in the in the mid credit scene, like actually like reacting viscerally to to seeing her mother, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for Monica to continue being a presence in this in this franchise. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to go back before because uh, we definitely want to start into these these post and pre credit sequences that in these scroll torture devices memories that we have we've seen that Carol has been back. To visit Maria and, and the to, to visit Maria, and the line that then is is pushed back in the pre pre post credit sequences, just until Monica gets back. Yeah. Oh, that killed me. That yeah. that wrecked me completely. It's beautiful. I love the relationships. It's it's really great. Steve, you had a question about the house. Yeah. What is transpiring at the end of the movie where they're taking a bunch of stuff? Is somebody moving Carol, in? I think Carol, Carol, Carol's, moved Carol's moving to the in. house. Just, okay. until, yeah. just, until, just until Monica gets back. Okay. Yeah. Am I the only one that the, I, the, I the didn't mom, notice? The mom is saying, of course, this would be a nice Hold place on. to uh, I thought a family Amir. For a brief second, I thought that like Kamala's family was moving in just until their house is fixed. Yeah, I thought that too. But then I watched it the second time, and the shit that's in the boxes is from Carol's Carol's ship. Isn't that one that plate that her her mother was like was like her wedding plate or something like that? Yeah, it's her her princess wedding plate. (laughs) I also didn't notice until the second viewing that Carol was wearing the other bangle. Yes, yes, I didn't notice that the first time. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. It's right. um, it's great. I I guarantee. Here's moving into the uh, the credits scenes. I feel like Kamala Khan as Nick Fury going to visit Hawkeye was meant to be the post post credit scene, but then they moved yeah. things around when they started seeing the returns on the uh uh uh, uh the opening weekend, and they were like, we yeah. need to we need to close the film with it so that so that but, maybe it'll, but maybe now it'll... you could also say if we remember back to Iron Man one, it isn't post credit, it's before the credits. It's before the credits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's in the same. It's in the same place. Yeah, I I thought it was so funny when she's sitting there and she's like, "You think you're the only one in the? You, you think you're <laughs> yeah. the only? You think you're the only kid person or whatever?" And she's like, "I'm yeah. 23 years old." <laughs> and then she finishes with, "Please." Yeah. would you like to join my team please? it's funny i think i don't think it's going to be young it might be young avengers i think it's going to be champions going back to the david interview i think yeah. champions which was the character that was in she hulk the 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 young hulk 
What was well, who was that? Was that um Scar? Scar. Thank Scar. you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I hope that character never comes back. <laughs> I want to see Teddy. I want to see Teddy. I want to see Teddy and Billy. I, I would much Kate. rather see yeah. Amadeus Joe than Scar. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that's going. That's a tease that I think does have legs. I don't know what the hell's happening with Hercules, but I I think there are things happening with like Kate, Kamala, Cassie. Um, yeah, Wiccan, I think is going to be in the Agatha show. So I, I, I think that that that's an exciting kind of ending to the thing. Um, and then the mid credit scene, obviously with the X-Men, the, the first kind of legitimate explicit X-Men reference, I think was so exceptional, except for the fact that Kelsey Grammer's beast, they killed my furry King and gave me world of Warcraft beast. And I just like, I can't <laughs> deal with this. Like, I get it. Like, the CG figures, they love doing that. But, like, you know, my furry king. That makeup was so good. <laughs> I got a question. So, here's Go my ahead. thought. I was going to say. So, my thought, as they were doing that scene, and he is explaining where she was, I'm like, all right, they're already ahead of, ahead of the game. They already know what's happening. They know where she is. My thing was... And also because Carol and Kamala know where she is and Nick knows where she is. And you already know Nick knows, understands what we do. My thought was, all right, then someone needs to skip on down to the Sanctum Centaurum, get Stephen Strange and America Chavez, have her stomp her foot one good time. And then we get everybody back where they're supposed to be. But Aaron, this is what I was saying. Like, Quantumania, they absolutely would have done that and been like, all right, we're all good. No problems. You know what I mean? But America's a comertage. We not everyone knows where she is. At but this the point. stakes here, you yeah, they don't know what Nick universe she is. Know where she is. You Chavez can't tell would me. have to stomp her foot a thousand times to find that universe. Make it happen. You know who does know? know. Where... You know who does know? Mm-hmm. God Loki knows. God Loki mm-hmm. knows God, where Loki she knows. is. <laughs> now, when I saw and I saw it, moment one, we were just gleeing over Kelsey Grammer. And we missed a line though. We when we saw Monica uh, Maria's outfit mentioned binary. it. Yeah, but he he says that in the dialogue. Yeah, says what? Says actually binary. calls her binary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Calls I, her binary. I heard that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then when we add into the fact that that Carol, someone said to me, "Well, come on, she can restart a sun." Yes. Yeah. How many suns? <laughs> has, how many suns has she flown through to get there? Because she's. Carol is full binary when she gets to, to Hala. Yeah. So the whole lot binary idea was already laid in place there. And now here it's it's Maria as binary. And that 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 was brilliant such and heartbreaking. Cool and that's just really, I, really well done. Shocked. I hope Shocked Monica, it happened, but loved it. I hope Monica is in Deadpool, is my hope. Um, we don't know. Be- this isn't the 838 because Maria is still alive. Right. No, it's not the it's not the one it's from not the Illuminati universe. Multiverse of Madness. No. Right. Who knows? I loved it. Great times. World of Warcraft beast, though. They got to fix that CG model before the next entry. <laughs> I, probably I have one fix weird... it in the uh, digital. Go ahead. In Bob. the Disney Plus. I, I yeah. have I have one weird throw in, but we'll be on. We got to see the real Supreme Intelligence, which was nice. And <laughs> that was cool. Um. Did has anyone seen Unicorn Store? Yes, yes. Yep. Okay, the the, the Crocs that she's wearing are obviously a Unicorn yeah. Store yeah. throwback. Yeah. It's it's so fun. 
I, I I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to see it again. And it's been a long time since I've been able to say that about one of these MCU movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really, well, I'll, really I'll be, I may, I may be into, I have to go to a school board meeting tomorrow night, but I may have to see the Marvels first just to like <laughs> pre-cleanse. My and it's palette. great. I went to a three o'clock and I was out by five. Oh, it was yes. so, it was so <laughs> wonderful. I miss those days so much. I miss those days. Now all these movies at 2.30, 2.45. Uh, I didn't even bring myself to go see the the Killers of the Flower Moon, which I want to see so badly, but I'm just like, I can't do three and a half hours. I just watch don't have that in my schedule. Watch in two parts. That's what I'm going to do. And I feel yeah. bad, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see it in two parts when it's on Apple TV. I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I don't feel yeah, bad about that. I do. I really do. Because like, I love going to the movies and I, I, I go to the movies as often love supporting as I can. Filmmakers. Yeah. I'm an AMC Stubbs member. I go and see the weirdest shit. I, did I tell you that the screen, the AMC did that like screen unseen yeah. last Monday and every, the yeah, what, audience what'd was you see? packed. Well, the audience was packed because everyone thought it was going to be the Marvels because it was okay. like the first <laughs> one. And I was like, there's no way Disney is going to let AMC run the Marvels five days early it was taika's yeah. latest it was next goal wins oh that was, was so great and i was so happy that like no one left when it wasn't the marvels um and it was next goal wins and everyone stuck around and it was so like i love being in the audience and I, hearing people laugh that movie again also yeah. sincere and fun and just joyful and um under two hours <laughs> you know Man, that uh that amc commercial really got to you huh the nicole kidman one Oh, oh you're that things. you're that person. I am that person. Yeah. I, I I will go like even when I start movies at home, I'm like Emily. We come to this place <laughs> for magic. Uh, see, you're you're a younger person. For me, we, you'd have to say in a world. We'd have to oh, no, no, that. Yeah, I, you know when I was young, it was Maria. Be. It was Maria Menounos doing the uh, movie trivia in the twenty. You know, and now it's now oh, it's yeah. the Nicole came in uh, entry. Emily was like, "We need to get you a bedazzled pinstripe power suit so that you can be so Nicole Kidman for Halloween." <laughs> yeah, Steve, at at my theater, it, just before the movie, they show "Let's All Go to the Lobby" from the fifties. They they go for it the whole song. It's like three minutes of "Let's All Go to the Lobby" and the candy bars and the. It's I haven't that. seen that legitimately, and I know I mentioned it the other yeah. week, but that Rocky Point drive-in, they used to run that. Yeah, no. To go Sable, to the Sable has it every time. Oh, man. All right. Um, are we good on the Marvels? Oh, yeah. We're go good. see right. the Marvels. Go see uh, the Marvels more than once. Now, I know that we said that we would do a listener question every week. Uh, I'm going to pull rank here and oh. I'm going to say that we'll open next week's show with uh, this week's question. And maybe we'll okay. even throw one onto the end of that show. We'll, we'll do two next time uh, just because with David and with both the reviews and lightning rounds, everything uh, I, my social battery is at a low. <laughs> I need yeah, to man. go. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. All right. Let's talk about the books that we're looking forward to next week. Bob, what do you pick it up? I have Rocketeer Den of Thieves number four, The Cull number four, uh, Fantastic Four 13, Blade number five, and thanks to the people around here, I have. I guess I have to get Jean Grey number four, too. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, what are you getting? Uh, Jean Grey number four, up four, Bob, so we're wrapping it up. Yeah. What's um, the? What am I missing? What's the big deal? 
It's you know, Bob, Bob's reading only, an X Men book. It's the only yes. X Men book Bob's reading, totally, totally free of any of the other context. Yes. <laughs> um, Christopher Chaos number six, uh, Superman Lost number eight, Antarctica number five of five, Arcade Kings number five of five, which I hope is not the end. I freaking love Arcade Kings. Um, Cole number four, Fish Flies number three, Black Panther number six, Children of the Vault number four of four. Ooh. Um, Dark X-Men number four or five, Uncanny Avengers. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm <laughs> push gonna, through. Push through. I, I guess I have to, right? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and a couple of new number ones. Outsiders number one. Deviant number one looks great as well. Everybody pick think- it up. So all that X-Men shit that Joey just said. And then I think some Immortal Thor I'm going to throw in there. And then I'm also going to pick up the... um. What's the one? The the Speed Force one? Yeah, I think the Speed yeah, Force Speed number Force one. Number one. Wildcats, uh, the Outsiders, as Joey said. The big giant size final issue of Big Game. Uh, whatever. Uh, Geiger, <laughs> Ground Zero, number one from uh, Image, because I liked that little series before. Um, and then I think that might, you know, be oh, Christopher Chaos. Um, and I think that oh, might Oh, that's be. coming out this week? Right, yeah. Yep. Oh, I was just talking about that book yesterday. Uh, All right. Yeah, for me, I guess Christopher Chaos. I didn't even see that on the list, but I will add that. Uh, Blade number five, Daredevil number three, Fantastic Four number 13, The Cull number four, The Deviant number one from Image, new uh, James Tynan joint, Fish Flies number three, and Hexagon Bridge number three are my books there's a couple of dcs and everything in there but i'm always a month out because of the app and i barely touch the app but i'm going to go back and read some of that superman stuff uh for next week so bob you uh you sound like you had something for the banter section do you want to uh add anything just really yeah just really quickly last week uh thursday our friend nikki torres we did our book club at threes brewing and hunting and it was for hinch girl by kristen godsnock which got a very lovely response. So some people had the expanded and some had the regular edition. Needless to say, everyone had a great time discussing it and in reaching out to Kristen, she, of course, couldn't make it because she has four deadlines going at once, but was really thrilled that we we did that. And I think we made some new fans. So that's a cool thing. Fantastic. Yay. All right. Uh, Anything else, Bob? I'd like to thank Professor Dr. Eisner Ward winner Carolyn Coca because we got to see the Marvels together and then have dinner and then go to a book club. And we don't get as much time. It's been seven years since she moved from Huntington, which seemed like craziness, but it's the case. So thank you, Carolyn. Yeah. It's been that long? Yeah. Wow. Time flies. You're having fun. All right. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. I would like to once again thank David for dropping by and hanging out with us to talk about the Punisher. Wish him all the best in all things always. Speaking of always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast.talkingcomicbooks.com. Go and rate us on your favorite podcast apps. And Bob, where can our listeners find you? Still the old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey? Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com. Aaron? I'm manning the Instagram for it. Uh, Talking Comics <laughs> Podcast. There you go. 
Uh, I am at Den underscore Anchorus. Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B, and Chris is at the Myth of Psyche. And John Burkle is probably John Burkle somewhere on the internet, uh, or Paw Patrol number one fan on the forums. <laughs> uh, listen, buddy, we have we've all got our things, and uh, it's okay. We still love you. We still love you. That's gonna do it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. Be excellent to each other, and until next time, to be continued.